and joking too Sipping and roasting is what we do Light them up, drink them down Whiskey and cigars all around Cheers, y'all Kind of a weak well this week. I'm, I'm a little. Uh, I hear your voice is a little bit raspy. I'm, there, I'm a pony today, which is funny because usually your well well's pretty raspy, but yeah. when your voice is raspy, it's a little cleaner. No, see, the, then if I go raspy, it it, it hurts. So <laughs> now uh, it makes so, sense. Uh, well, well, so, well. How's that? There you go. That's good. I I, I appreciate <laughs> I, you, I appreciate you having my back there. <laughs> Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this fine radio program, smoking and toasting. It's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand rolled cigars. This this is show in number 116. Who keeps letting us get away with I this? I don't know. It keeps happening. Uh, we are live at uh, Casa de Monte Cristo, 610 and 59 in Houston. And uh, this is one of the places we love to be. And we love to come here and uh, buy cigars from time to time. And we love to come here and hang with our friend uh, Ken Nguyen, who uh, set this up for us to be here today. They're so. always so cool to us here. Our program is brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. Uh, it is... Uh, going to be a very special day today so let me let me tell you what happened this is an interesting story yes. so we had jason poehler who works with my father cigars booked on the show uh for today we're very excited i met him at the stogie's wingding obviously you and i are both big fans of my father uh-huh. and the brand and the cigars um and so we're very excited to have him on everything was booked everything was rolling along well he called this morning saying that he'd been really, really sick last night. Like the kind of sick you don't, you don't want to be anywhere near. Come in and, right, and right. be on the show, right? These things happen, I understand. But check this out. He didn't just cancel on us last minute. He called with a, uh, a backup in place. The backup is his brother, Tom Poehler. And Tom works with a number of different brands, uh, including Tatuaje, uh, and we'll get the whole lowdown on everything that he's involved in coming up here. He's got a lot of experience and background in tobacco. He's going to be a great guest. So I'd, I'd say he's a bit of a specialist in boutique brands. I actually. am so excited to be able to talk tobacco with him. So this is great, and I just wanted to point out, to those of you who may from time to time be invited to be a guest on a show, and something comes up and you need to cancel. That, my friends, is how you do it. That's how it's supposed <laughs> that's to be done. That's a classy act. That's a classy act. Yeah, that's not like canceling once or let's just say twice and, and leaving people in the lurch. That would, that would not be the way to do it. How's your week going? My week has been great. I just got, uh, uh, I just got back from a little trip to Austin, actually, uh, last weekend. Uh, went and saw, saw some live music, uh, enjoyed some great food, hung out with some friends, uh, and actually filed a report. It's going to be a couple of weeks before we feature the report on the show, but filed a special smoking and toasting on location uh, report while I was there at a wonderful place called the Brewer's Table, which not only do they have amazing food, but they uh, brew all their own beer. They had some very unusual specialty beers, so I'm, I'm excited to talk to you about that. So. Can't wait to hear that. So who'd yeah. you go see? What band? Uh, I went to see King's X. Of course. Yes, and it was awesome. <laughs> They're so good live. <laughs> King's X and Peace in the Chaos. King's it X was, is such a funny band because when you go see them live... Um, like by now in the industry they're legends, right? But when you go see them live, the 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 
audience is so interesting because every musician who's who right. shows up to see King's X. Right. Right? Your general public doesn't always know who they are. They may have heard of them or whatever, but every musician in town shows up to see King's X every time. It's well, amazing. And what made, what made that really interesting at this show, I'm not a big fan of when you go to a concert and the, uh, and the singer uh, turns the mic around to have the audience sing right, because right, right. he doesn't want to hit the high notes or whatever. Uh, that always, I always look at it like, hey, I didn't pay for these tickets to hear <laughs> to this hear the guy jerk next beside to me. me sing. I paid to hear you. But at King's X, it was different. First of all, they didn't wait, have wait, to wait, turn... Wait a second. Sometimes I'm the jerk beside you. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> no, but at King's X, it was different. First of all, they didn't have to turn the mics around or encourage the crowd to sing along. The crowd was basically the background Sing, vocals yeah, singing for everything. every song. It yeah. was it was really it was really quite amazing. So they have they, they are have they are a the musicians audience. band. Yeah, yeah. they de- they definitely are. So, but enough about that. Let's talk uh, tobacco and craft beer and fine spirits. And oh, on today's show, by the way, how would you like to get paid to drink craft beer? I love that idea. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, it reminds me There's of when I was... ways to monetize your hobby. Yes. It reminds me of when I was in Los Angeles. I went to see an old friend of mine that we used to be in radio together. He used to work <laughs> at the same station the other day. I was like, man, I haven't seen you in forever. How are you doing? He's like, well, apparently not as good as you. You're getting paid to drink whiskey and smoke cigars. <laughs> I was this like, is well, not the worst job I've had. Yeah, yeah. Not the highest paying, but not the worst. I remember when I woke up this morning, I thought, man, I got to go to work today. Yeah. No, I didn't think it like that. <laughs> I didn't think it like Said Ian to no one. No, 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 ever. Uh, So anyway, uh, I do have information on how you can get paid to drink craft beer. It's for real, and it involves an app on your phone, and I'll tell you all about it. I love that. uh, Coming up. We're going to sample some really interesting stuff today, uh, in addition to uh, the cigars that Tom has brought, and we'll be getting into those in just a few minutes. Um, The beer-wine hybrid is becoming a bigger and bigger thing. Is that wine? Wine or Wee beer? I don't know. Uh, but we'll be we'll be sampling today Lagunitas Sparkling Swan. It is a beer wine uh, hybrid. So interesting. That should be. And you know we love Lagunitas. I mean those guys make great products. So uh, we are almost always pleased with what we sample from those guys from Petaluma, California. Another brewery we're big fans of, Victory Brewing, has their Winter Cheers. Yeah, it's hard to get anything released. bad from them. The American Pale White Ale from the boys in Downingtown, Pennsylvania, and then. You know, talk about three breweries that we are fans of. Founders. Founders. You know, so they have, there have been beers from some of these companies that I don't necessarily like on my palate. They aren't your, but they're all high quality beers. But I will tell you that I'm going to go ahead and predict I'm going to like everything we have lined up. I have a feeling you may. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what, I don't know what a couple of these are going to taste uh, like. Which founders did you bring? uh, This is the Backwoods Bastard. Oh. So this is a bourbon barrel aged (laughs) Scotch ale. Uh, The Backwoods Bastard is sort of a bastard cousin to the Dirty Bastard. Right. I'm trying to see how many I times love. I can say bastard in one sentence. Uh, uh, but I that, love the dirty bastard. Yeah, so so this will be in- interesting. And for spirits today, we'll be trying an Antigua Porteño eight-year-aged rum, a Colombian rum. And I'm pretty sure I went digging around in the bar last night. I was like, I don't think we've tried this. So if we have, I apologize. I don't remember. So it could be a completely different review if we have. Yeah, but, I mean, that's a heck of a problem to have. Sometimes yeah. when you're like, hey, you need to bring uh, a whiskey or a, a spirit this week. 
I, I have to look around and go, what have I not what have brought? We not brought? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's 116 shows. We've uh, That's 116 rated, different spirits we, there. We've rated our bars pretty good here. Not Ian. including <laughs> the shows that had spirits where they brought multiple flavors of yes, those spirits. Yes, that's right. That's right. In fact, we need to do more of those shows. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think. I, I think We're talking we to you, spirit reps. Um, the premium cigar exemption is still on the table for one more day. Uh, unless something changes. So we'll tell you about that as we update you on the cigar legislation, which we talk about quite a bit on the show. Uh, plus, the UK Cigar Smoker of the Year has been named. We'll tell you who that is. I saw that in the show notes. I think it's yep. awesome that there is a Cigar Smoker of the yep, Year. Yep. I think well, that, leave, leave it to the UK. That's something that we should do. <laughs> and, and in the ongoing trend of hard rock bands releasing spirits of some type, Motorhead, not to be outdone by Metallica and their whiskey, Motorhead is releasing a dark rum. So I'll tell you about that and where to get it and all of that. So that's all coming up on today's show. We're going to be, uh, uh, we're going to be having a, uh, I think, a really interesting time sampling some cigars here. I'm really excited about uh, maybe some of the pairings that we, that we have here. And so it's going to I be can't wait to get Tom good. over here in this chair, too. We were talking uh, with him on pre-show, and he's just an interesting character. Yeah, he's got a Been lot. in the industry forever. One of the things that he does, uh, in addition to being a cigar rep, for these brands is he also works as a consultant to a number of tobacco companies. Yeah, see, I had no so idea. So he's had a lot of experience in even in uh, like helping to launch some blends and some brands. So I'm really excited about to, about talking to him about this and getting some you know some real cigar insight. It reminds me a bit of when we went out to uh, Manny El Cubano Lopez's place and we just got right. so much tobacco and cigar insight and knowledge uh, from him, which was which was a lot of fun to do. So, uh, really interesting show, I think, today. And uh, we also, as we get to, I don't know how much we'll get to today, but as we get closer to the holidays, we're going to be tasting more and more uh, Christmas beers and winter beers. And then um, I've got things like 20 great gifts for craft beer lovers. And, uh, and then, uh, okay, Whiskey Advocate has named their top 20 whiskeys of 2018. So I don't oh, know that's how, exciting. I don't know how we want to do that. Do we want to save that all for one show? Do we want to, you know, go 10 at a time? Let's, I don't know. You know, I say what we do is we just see how the show goes, because sometimes we just get to rambling and we won't get to it. This does happen. You yes, know? When or we start talking if tobacco. we try to do all 20 in one show, we may just talk our way only through 10 of them. That, that happens, too. It'd I be, say we just play that one by ear. All right. I think we will. So <laughs> uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with the second segment of the show. Thank you, by the way, to everyone watching on uh, Facebook Live, and uh, special greetings to those of you who will be picking it up on uh, the podcast uh, from Apple Podcasts. Google Play or watching it on YouTube. Those are all ways to get it. You can get us at uh, TuneIn. You can get us on a number of the different podcast services. We're pretty much easy to find. And you can always also find us now at SmokinAndToastin.com. No G's, no apostrophes. That's pretty awesome. Yep. So, uh, all right. So, uh, we'll be right back. We'll have uh, Tom Polar on and we will be talking tobacco and talking, I think, Tatuaje. Did you decide what you're going to smoke? Mm, I think I'm going to smoke this uh, Aladino, the uh, uh, Corojo Reserva. Okay, so you're going to said it was one of the stronger you're, you're ones. Open there, too. Big. I'm a, you're well open and big. I might as well start with both barrels. This so from speak. the man who brings the chunky beer. Uh, we'll be I didn't right bring back. any chunky beer today. <laughs> we'll be right back. It's smoking and toasting.
Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting. It's show number 116. We are live at Casa de Monte Cristo. There are a couple of locations. There's a location, I think, in North Houston, isn't it? There's a 1960 oh, location. Oh, 1960, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, we. Uh, this is the one that I'm the most familiar mm-hmm. with uh, because I used to live several blocks from here well, you and know, became a regular customer back when it was serious well, yeah, cigars. Yeah, when I, when I used to come, uh, when I said I'd have a cigar right before the show, I used to come here and sit in the lounge, have a cigar, mm-hmm. and then just a few blocks over is where our studio is. So. Right. That's makes a, it convenient. So yeah, it makes say. it great okay. convenient. These and guys are so nice. Too. Big thanks to Ken Wynn, by the way, for setting mm-hmm. uh, setting up our opportunity uh, to be here. We wanted to be a place where we can uh, smoke today uh, because of our guest, and so we'll uh, introduce Tom to you in just a moment. We are brought to you by B and B Butchers and Restaurant at eighteen fourteen Washington Ave in Houston, and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth, and at B and B Lemon, which you got to see uh, last week didn't briefly. You? Yes. Yeah, yeah. What'd you think? Uh, it looks like a great bar. Looked, yeah, I was it looks say, like the bar looks like this it's is, a portion appropriately. Right, this is the kind of bar where it looks like you know you're going to get like the top of the line drinks and mm-hmm. such like that. This is not your local dive, right? So right. this is this well, is I'm going to take a date out for a drink kind of bar is what it looked like to me. B and B kind of does things in a classy way, so we're we, that's that's to be expected, I think. Well, uh, welcome to Tom Polar. Tom is uh, with us today. Tom, do you actually work for yourself or do you uh, as a as an independent uh, rep or do you work for a particular company and then rep uh, some other companies on the side. How is that structured? No, I am an independent rep. Okay. First. Then, of course, I, we were talking earlier, you know, I do a lot of consulting for a lot of these companies right. that I work with. Right. You know, it's like, of course, I've done th- some things for Pete, you know, be it with the office procedures, shipping and mm-hmm. return policies. Uh, you know, he does, uh, ex- you know, uh, shipping exclusivities and things like that. Uh, then I do, you know, some things for George and product development, and I've been doing a lot of that for Aladino recently. Also, there's office procedures and shipping, and then product development, marketing, things like that. So walk us through the brands that you're active with right now. Currently, uh, I represent, of course, you know, Tetuaje Cigars, mm-hmm. you know, from uh, Pete Johnson, and his second company, La Atelier, that also his brother, you know, KC Johnson, Dan Welsh, are partners with him in. And then I also do uh, Granabano with George Rico. Right, um, and then I third company that I started working with again is Julio Aurora with JRE. Mm-hmm. Now JRE stands for Julio Rafael Aurora. So just started with them about two years ago, but my history with Julio stems back to about '99. So you know I used to work with him in the old Camacho days with him and his son Christian. Right, back when he and Christian were at Camacho. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Back, what what I would call the glory days of Camacho. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's really interesting. Now, uh, just. Let me back up. Give me the correct, because I don't think I'm saying it exactly right. The correct pronunciation of Tetuahe. 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 Almost like a W. I almost right. say, I, I've been saying Tetuahe. Right. But I'm putting an extra yeah. syllable put, in there. Right. Yeah, it's just Tetuahe. Tetuahe. Okay. Yeah, it, it took me a couple tetuahe. months to learn it. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I went to sleep saying the word so I remember it. Well, there's, <laughs> you know. You know, there, there's so many words that, you know, in the, uh, uh, in the cigar business i mean you know when i first started smoking cigars i think i called it partagas for like the first uh, month and a half i right, was i right. was uh, smoking right. partagas cigars right. you know some of it's just about where does the emphasis go you know so yeah. uh, but we got to put so. the emphasis on the right syllable thank, hey. thank you that's good to know and interesting enough i mean tatuaje means tattoo in spanish okay and cuz Pete has tattoos when he you know started uh, wanting to make his own cigar he would go down to dominican and Hang out with the different manufacturers, be it you know Carlos Fuente, Carlito, uh, Guillermo Leon, in the Dominican, and he got this nickname Tatuaje Pete. 
And so that's where he that's came, where up, with the came idea. up with the idea. That's where came up with Tatuaje. Nice. Yeah. Okay. And there is a uh, Tatuaje cigar called the Tattoo. Yes. Yes, yes that's part of the surrogate lineup. Yes. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you, Ian and I have split many boxes of those because they come in yes. boxes of 50, right? Yes. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So Ian and I right. have split many boxes of those and enjoyed every, yeah, those are, yeah, those are every single one. It's just a great yeah. little... A uh, little cigar. So that's that's at a great price point too. Like I love when well, we yeah. split a box of fifty. There, that's it's, you're it's almost whoa. it's yeah. like a great cigar to lawnmower price. You know, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. I mean, what's interesting too on that box, if you look at all the emblems on there, those are actually tattoos that Pete has. Those are the actual mm. tattoos yeah. he has. That's okay, great. great. Yeah, that's, and that's I, and great. I'll, I'll, I stand corrected. It's not the surrogate lineup. In the surrogate lineup, he does a cigar called Tramp Stamp. More of a joke <laughs> on himself. I have actually heard <laughs> yeah. of that cigar. I've not smoked a Tramp Stamp. I just bought a little I package of those uh, the cracker crumbs. Yes, to, yeah. to, oh, to have in my car. You know, because yeah. like a lot of times on the ride home, I've got a sunroof in my car. I love that. I just toss it open, especially when it's nice and chilly outside. You just toss that open and yep. have a cigar. It's awesome. So I've lit up this uh, tatuaje that you brought. Tell me about this one. Now, that one is the uh, Negotiant. Okay. It was a new product that Pete released uh, last year at the trade show in 2017. It uses a uh, Ecuadorian Connecticut wrapper grown by, I believe, ASP. Now, of course, all the blends, everything that you know Pete does is made by My Father Cigars, mm-hmm. you know, which my brother Jason again represents. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Pepin Garcia. Um, um, I know it has a double binder. I believe one of the binders is a Connecticut broadleaf uh, grown, I believe, in the U.S., but maybe it might be Sandra's. Pete doesn't like to divulge his blends. Mm. So, but I know it's <laughs> Nicaraguan in the fillers. Yeah, yeah I guarantee okay. you. Okay. Um, this is uh, really interesting and very uh, almost almost uh, creamy off, off, the, uh, off the very first yes. puff, which surprised me a little. Because yeah. when I think tatuaje, I think, you know, sometimes something maybe a little more bold. Gonna, yeah, going to have a little mm-hmm. more boldness to it. But this this just hit me immediately with with uh, a wonderful sort of creaminess. I have a feeling it will build in intensity a bit. It gets it a little bit, but you're going to get a lot more complexity, a lot of spiciness and, you know, sweetness comes out of this scar. That's one of the reasons I love the scar. And, you know, you think about people's palates. I mean, what's the four things you taste in your palate? It's, uh, so it's sweet, sweet sour, sour, salt, and, and what's bitter. the and better, right, right. Yeah. And that's the idea in the scar. You want to be able to get all those sensations into your palate. And I believe right. this scar does it perfectly. It, it's interesting um, <clears throat> that <clears throat> we talk about this a bit. You know, the cigars that seem to be all the rage have a tendency to be, you know, pretty strong. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a medium to full guy probably is my my favorite. But I but I can really enjoy things on the medium side. Um, in you probably go a little bit more full than I do because you'll 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 hammer down with one of the diesels or or I do I do I do I like I like the bigger flavored cigars you know when I first started smoking cigars I thought I was a you know mild to medium guy yeah and every once in a while I get adventurous or someone say try this and I try something more medium or full and start loving having all that flavor that's why I love a lot of these this cigar here this uh, Corojo Reserva that I'm smoking that's pretty this bold, is interesting it? because, uh, you know, as we all know, on a, initial light on a lot of cigars uh, can be kind of harsh. Right. Like, it's it's almost expected on a lot of cigars that the initial light's a little harsh. The initial light on this was creamy and smooth, mm-hmm. and it's building intensity right into its flavor right now. So it was actually smoother on lighting, but not 
that it's not smooth now. It's just smoother on lighting than it than the the full flavor of the cigar, which I feel like I'm just starting to get into at this point yes. in time. Yeah, that's that's backwards for most cigars. So it's quite interesting. And the, and right. that's the Aladdin, is that right? Yeah, that's the Aladina Corojo Reserva. He, yeah. You guys said this was going to be a powerhouse, so I yeah. picked that one first. <laughs> yeah, now that that's the one that I was telling you guys earlier that uses all the Corona Corojo leaf, which is the top four leaves of the plant. Now, so if I get dizzy and fall out of this chair, they get the most yeah, I understand. Yeah, which is exactly. why they're strongest. Right. Well, also the objective of the plant is to reproduce. You know, tobacco is a weed by right. nature. Right. All right. And so to reproduce, it has to you know develop the flower for the seeds. So the objective of the plant is that while it's growing, it's sucking up all the nutrients out of the soil and shoving it straight up the stalk to the flower. Right. So what they'll do at the farm is they'll crop the plant and break off the top where the plant or the flower is. Uh-huh. And then as the nutrients come up, but since it's not the flower, it goes to the top leaves goes to the top and then the next leaves right. and then the next leaves until it gets to the bottom. So your top, very top leaves get the most nutrients as well as what you were just saying there that it also gets, you know, the most sun. It gets the most sun because it's closer yeah. to the top of the plant. So. But you have a problem with that leaf. Most people don't like to use it. They use a little of it as a filler because it's very thick. They aren't very big leaves. So you can't do any cigars really over a six inch length. Mm. But because they're so thick, you have to really age and ferment it a long time. So that particular cigar has a five-year-old wrapper with seven-year-old filler and binder, but it's all Corona leaf wrapper, filler, and binder. Um, we were talking about the Fuller cigars and how they seem to be all the rage. If you're if you're uh, reading, you know, any of the cigar magazines or any of the blogs online, people talk a lot about at least medium to full, and then mm-hmm. on yeah. to the full as being yeah. being the things that critically do the best. And yet, we continue to read that mild to mediums are the best sellers. Uh, why, do you, why do you think that is, that mild to medium sells, but, but everything you read about is, is about the fuller stuff? Well, the thing is that mild to medium is where most people smoke, but they smoke four, five, six cigars a day. Mm. I myself smoke six, seven cigars a day. So yeah, I'm smoking mild to medium. If I smoke a full body, I'll smoke one or two a day. Right, maybe later in the day yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, That's probably it, why I smoke less cigars than... But it's interesting you bring. <laughs> but it's interesting you bring that up because at the trade show, I was standing there with uh, Justo Aurora, you know Julio's oldest son, who mm-hmm. we're doing this project with, and Pepin Garcia from My Father's Cigars, again who makes mm-hmm. Tatuaje, was there in a the booth, and he'd been smoking everything and hanging out with Justo, and so he starts talking to me. And of course, Justo told him that the Corojo Reserva was my idea, which was the original Diploma blend. Of, you know, it's basically all it is, but which more age. Mm-hmm. was probably one of the most talked about of all the... Yeah, yeah all when I came out. Yeah. It had a cult following. So as we're talking, of course, who's, uh, Pepin's going, you know, man, these cigars are great. However, this, this Reserva is too strong. You know, you can't smoke four or five a day. You need to make a milder cigar because that's what the consumer wants. And he keeps going on and on. And, of course, Huso's translating. We're going back and forth. And I'm explaining, well, this cigar had a cult following. You know, that's why we made it. People have been asking for it. So finally, to end the conversation, I looked at Huso. I go, just tell him we don't make cigars we want. We make the cigars that people want. So he told him that. And Pabin looks at me and goes, see, see, see. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, you know, kind of ended well, it there. Well, you know, we were talking about this with, uh, a bit with craft beer, too, before the show started. Is that Well, that, um, that makes sense in marketing. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean it really does. If, if you think about it... Um, Craft beer companies kind of kind of have the same predicament. The things they become most revered for are 
let's use St. Arnold here in Houston as as the uh, as the example. You know, the Bishop's Barrel and the uh, Divine Reserve, yeah, yeah. the things that are very limited release, very special, appeal to a much narrower niche of drinkers. Those are the things that kind of make them famous, if you will. But what's on tap everywhere is their amber ale. Right, exactly. Right. Their yeah. amber ale or the uh, Art Car IPA or you know, right. yeah, something absolutely. that is, is more of a mainstream beer. And to me, I think that... Um, what really makes a great craft beer company, and I think this makes sense with tobacco too, exactly. is having the right mix of right all balance. of those things. Yes. You know, something to appeal to the sort of everyday consumer and then something for that real aficionado yeah, who really can really can understand niche, it. If you're niche, you're not going to go very far. Right. 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 Exactly. I mean, you're just limiting your consumer base. Yeah. And, and that was also the idea about this cigar that we're not producing more than three to 400 boxes a month nationwide. Wow. So it's a very limited release. If you, if you think back to the boom days... Um, what ruined, for me at least, so many brands was them stepping up their production yep. so they could meet that demand that the boom was creating, and the tobacco just wasn't there. Right. And some of them never recovered. Right. You know, there were brands I used to really enjoy that went downhill and then disappeared. Yeah, well, you know? I mean, during the boom, that's when I got started in 96 with my dad, because at the time, my dad was the Fuente rep. And, of course, my dad would always argue with Carlos Sr., because they were best friends. Carlos like, look, Rick. We're not going to up our production more than 10% a year because we're keeping quality in mind first. So, And that's why Opus X was so hard to find. Yeah. yeah. Well, that and because they weren't shipping anything west of the Mississippi for, for <laughs> quite a while because of the lawsuit with Mandavi Wine. Right, right. You know, back then. Huh. Mm. Well, it's really interesting to me to see how many new brands have come onto the scene across the past, uh, say, two years do you think that that has more to do with just, you know, the proliferation of blenders and, and people who've kind of come up through the cigar industry starting their own things and, and, and doing their own things and creating all these new brands? Or how much of it is because of the fear of how difficult it could be to launch new brands if this cigar legislation uh, goes into effect? Well, right now, I mean, that is a big concern. I mean... Truthfully, FDA has already made it to where if you can't, you can't, you're not supposed to be releasing anything that isn't uh, either predicated blend or before, I, I think it's, you can't come out with anything after August 15th of 2016. Right. So anything that's coming out since is supposed to be old blends or re reiterations of old blends. Like Pete did the Habaro at the trade show this year, mm -hmm. which was a blend he had from, I think, 2003 mm -hmm. or 2004. So yeah, he could come out with that. Uh, but all these other guys want to get in it. Truth be known, if they're starting with a nobody factory, they're not going to be around long. Well, you know, but if you start with an older factory, say like Julio Aurora, you know, he's been in business since 1989. Right. So all our stuff has been predicated and already been approved by the FDA. So let's talk about this legislation a bit because there's been quite a bit of controversy. We waded into a, a bit of it, not necessarily... <laughs> On purpose, but because we took you know a pretty firm stand about the uh, about the letter that uh, uh, Altria uh, released, the company that the cigarette company that owns right. uh, Nat Sherman, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and basically the position we took was that that letter was ridiculous. The people that were working on the um, on the issue from inside the cigar industry were looking to get premium cigars exempted from this regulation. We understand when. Why the regulation, you know, is what it's really about is it's aimed at 
stopping younger people yes. uh, from getting their hands on cigars and, and smoking. And that's that's never been about premium cigars. Mm-hmm. And yet the the restrictions in the legislation on premium cigars in this bill is pretty onerous, particularly for launching new brands and doing some of those things. And we, we kind of took a, a, a stand saying the letter was ridiculous and we had some... Uh, some people, some dear friends of ours from the industry that kind of, you know, said, hey, guys, you got to look at what it really says. They're really saying, yeah, but you should do it this way. And our position kind of remained the same as like, since when has it been a good idea to go, we'll trust the government to get it right. Yeah, they'll, they'll do it. Right. You know, no, just but, put it in their hands. But what I mean, are you talking about the most recent one about the flavors? Well, uh, the one no, that- not so much that, although that's that's an issue as well. But uh, but just talking about you know all of the the labeling, how difficult it is to launch new brands yes. because premium cigars are being included in some of the same kind of restrictions and legislations as you know the machine maids and the uh, you know the little blunts and things like that that right. are, that are much more popular with younger people. Well, right, right now, I mean, if you look at really where the FDA's focus is more about the flavors. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, as far as premium cigars, you know the the uh, what's I can never remember the guy's name who's head of the FDA right now. Uh, 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 I want to say Gottlieb, but it's Gottlieb, not, yes, uh, Gottlieb. Right? Yeah. Yeah. He's a cigar smoker, right? All right, but after all the different research that FDA's put out about flavors, that's mainly their focus because they're looking at what's going on with the vapes right now, and their la- their latest uh, um, research has come out that the you look at the youth, and in high schools, they're saying that the, you know, the uh, the vapes and flavors are up seventy two percent, whereas sense. in in middle schools, which is really amazing, said so they're up forty eight percent. Wow! So what they're looking to do is try to stop them from getting into tobacco. You know, hey, if you're older, you're twenty one, whatever, that's fine. You want to get into it, but they don't want to have a stepping stone from the vapes into some other tobacco. So that's right. why they're going after all the flavored tobaccos right now. Um, and I saw this coming. We all saw this coming, you know, back in, you know, four years ago in 2014. And there was one paragraph in there about tobacco, about scars in particular. And I've been telling everybody this. I said, if you read, there's one line on there that states, if your product uses anything to enhance its flavoring other than tobacco and water, it's subject to the same rulings as flavored cigarettes, meaning it'll be outlawed. Mm. Right. Now, they didn't specify what is a cigar, what isn't a cigar. Right. It just said, if your product uses anything other than tobacco water right so that meant it doesn't matter if it's a short field doesn't matter if it's a swisher if it's a long field you know uh gurkha cognac they want that out of the market and how does that affect something like the entire line of acid cigars that drew estate gone makes? gone right gone yeah i mean but here's the other interesting thing you, you look at what the rest of the world's doing they're already doing that in canada and europe you're not seeing flavored cigars over there right in those places so we're kind of following what the rest of the world's doing should we i don't necessarily agree um, I think we should, you know, hey, if you have a long-filled flavored cigar and it's marketed strictly through tobacconist, I say leave it alone. Yeah. You know, yeah, well, you don't see a whole lot of 15-year-olds walking around with handful no. of cigars. Yeah. No. You know, I don't remember the last time I walked up to a, a convenience store door with a 15-year-old going, hey, man, buy me a thing of cigars, please. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> really? Right. I mean, who's going to affect most is going to be... The drug stores, the convenience stores, the gas stations with your Swishers, your Black and Mild, your John T's, you know, your Phillies Blunts. I mean, we know what that's used for, guys. Right, so, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's really what they're not, not the watermelon-flavored ones. Yeah. <laughs> those include. Not those at all. Except mint. Except mint. And what's Noted. crazy is that yeah. as, as all the pressure is coming down to, to regulate and get rid of those, 
pot's becoming legal in virtually every state in the country. Oh, so, the hypocrisy! Yes. Yeah, yeah. So that's amazing. Uh, yeah, that is that is amazing. One well, hand doesn't know what the other hand's yeah. doing, or maybe well, I don't know. Again, that's why you can't leave it to government. Well, you, you know, earlier you mentioned Altria, right? And, right. And then their letter they put out. You you also did you notice that they said they were not getting rid of their menthol cigarettes? Most people don't understand. If you look, if you do the that, research, with that's I a did, flavor, right? It is a flavor. And actually, the FDA had sued the, or the industry sued the FDA originally for the menthol cigarettes and won 10 years ago. So now they're trying to bring it back. And currently, right now in the U.S., menthol cigarettes uh, equate to about $38 billion. Wow, I did not know it was that much. Holy Toledo. Right. So personally, I kind of feel I may be wet behind the ear, but I think the FDA, if you watch what the FDA has been doing, they set the bar way up here knowing they're going to come down to here. Mm-hmm. If they put the bar here, they're only going to come further down. Right. So they're going to put the bar up here, bringing in menthol, knowing, hey, you know what? We'll give up menthol, but we're taking out flavored cigars and flavored vape and flavored right. e-cigs. They're right. going to go, you know what? You already saw a tree and say, go ahead and take the flavor. So take all it out. The, so all the flavored vapes under this new uh, yes. regulation, that would all be a thing of the past. All the, you know, cherry and grape and yeah. all of that stuff at the hookah bars. Well, right? you, you guys, did you hear what happened with Jewel? Jewel's no. like the number one, you know, flavored vape in the nation now. Right. And they just announced a couple of weeks ago that they were taking all their flavored, you know, Jewel vapes off the market, or at least not in the retail locations. They'll still sell it online out of their location hmm. where they can verify age. But interesting enough, they never announced to anyone that two weeks prior they got raided by the FDA. FDA came in and they saw what they were doing, saw what their marketing, what their packaging was about and told them, hey, this is coming down the line. So I... I have a personal feeling that's probably why they took it off the market. And I'll tell you truthfully, last February, I was down at the factory with uh, Julio and Justo. And while we were there touring people around talking, one day the FDA came into Julio and Justo's office in Miami and spent the whole day there. They, wanted, they didn't just want to see the product, guys. They wanted to see the packaging. They wanted to see your marketing. They went through every account. Hey, do you have a license for every one of these guys? Can you verify who you're wow. selling to? They went through everything. I mean, they are the true tobacco Nazis now. And if you don't comply, they're coming after you. So, and they're not going away. They're not getting out of this because we're already paying them a user fee. They get paid something like, I think now seven cents a cigar for everything oh, yeah. we bring in. And that yeah. just went up. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, that went up to seven cents, I believe. Yeah. So That's yeah. ironic, isn't it? Well, you we know, pay them to do that. Well, here's what's interesting about this. <laughs> you, guys, you guys, I'm sure, know about Charlie Monado from Half Wheel. Mm-hmm. And a couple we years Charlie ago. Charlie on the show, actually. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, several weeks ago. And Charlie and I were talking back in October 16th of, uh, or October 15th of 2016 is when the U.S. government put the FDA in charge of all tobacco shipments coming into the U.S. And I turned to Charlie. We were all hanging out in Dallas. And I said, you watch. This is going to be the start of federal government using the FDA as a watchdog on us. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, dude, look at this. I said, right now, a lot of the companies have been cheating the S-chip, unbeknownst to anyone. That's how they kept the prices down. I said, you know, when they first put the S-chip in place, they expected to get so much money every year after 2007, and they expected it to climb. Well, it had been declining. Government's not stupid. They figured something was up. So they put them in charge. So are they going to go away? No. And now they catch everything that comes in the U.S. Hmm. So that's part of the reason why some shipments have gone up. That's also why you, some products have been hard to get in the U.S. because, you know, it's just the FDA is watching them. So we got we to gotta deal with them. They're not going away. You, ne- you just need to learn to work with the FDA, in my opinion. Hmm. It's an interesting perspective, and I, I totally get it, though. There's, there's some things that you can control, and, right. and there's other things that you can't. So you figure out, okay, if this is the reality, how do we 
conduct our business and right. be able to make a profit and stay in business and and deliver these products to people that want them. Exactly. That does not stop me as a consumer from being a little bitter about the fact that if I want to buy a product that there's a lot of these products that I can't get because of the fact that, oh, well, we could make more money if we do this or we can eliminate this. I'm just, I'm still freaked out by the fact that the, that these get lumped in with, you know, are you packaging to kids? Like that's... This well, there's a judge earlier this year. I don't know if y'all caught it. I can't remember her name either. But you know, they, the industry had sued against the FDA for the you know 30 percent of the packaging having to say you know yeah that's you know, that's not non smoking yeah. you know, cancer yada yada. So they went before a judge, and the judge basically decided you know look we're going to convene or we're going to you know put this basically at bay or at rest right now for about a year and a half, two years. Right. And let you guys come back. Because she said, you know, this is the culture of cigars, is the packaging. And 30% is ridiculous. You right. Know? So you guys it need is. to redo this because this is about the art of the cigar. I, I mean, can, you don't see it on wine bottles. No. No. And, and in Canada, uh, all you can get is a black box that says cigars at this point. I mean, I'm exaggerating, yeah. but, well, no, but they, it's almost that bad. And they do it in right. Australia, too. Yeah. 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 Pretty soon it's just going to be a skull and crossbones. Well, yeah. I, I was in I was living in Los Angeles in Hollywood uh, when I was much younger. Uh, when uh, one of the waves of cigarette um, labeling um, uh, came out, where, where you had to be larger labels, and they had to be more visible, and they had to say harsher things. And a company there launched a brand of cigarette that all it was was a black package with a skull and crossbones right. on it. That became the hottest cigarette for a while. It was probably a fad, but everywhere I went in Hollywood, uh, that's that's what yeah. all the uh, yeah. the younger uh, generation, you know, because to them it was badass, yeah. you know? So, I would like a package of Kill Me Please. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like this, right. Just name the product. All right, right. we're going to take a break and come back for the next segment. We will be tasting uh, some Lagunitas uh, Sparkling Swan in the, in the next segment and talking a little more. I want to get into this uh, cigar because this is getting wonderful complex right about here Thank so you. Yeah. Uh, so i want to talk about that and see how it pairs up with some sparkling swan it's smoking and toasting our guest is tom polar and we'll be right back awesome thank you Smoking a Toast, and it's show number 116. We are live at Casa de Monte Cristo in Houston. We're at the location that's at 610 and 59. Uh, enormous humidor here, by the way. I love this humidor. Yeah. You just walk in uh, and wander around. A, it's not really a walk-in humidor. It's a walk-through humidor. I mean, you, <laughs> you could like spend hours in there, and believe me, I have. It's right. so funny. Um, I want to uh, put up a cot. I love the way a humidor smells, too. Yes. Like you walk in, I yeah. mm, love what, that smell. One of the things I absolutely love about my wife is that uh, she's not a big shopper. In other words, when she goes to shop, she shops more like a guy. Yeah, she oh, goes you're lucky. In, you're oh, yeah, lucky. She goes in to get what she's looking for. Maybe she'll see one or two things, but she doesn't like lose herself in Dillard's for like four hours. <laughs> and that's the way I shop for everything except cigars. cigars. And when it yes. comes to cigars, I will browse the humidor for, you know, I, I know sometimes they... 
start to get a little suspicious. Like, what's he doing in there? You know, <laughs> uh, because it's just uh, it's just something well, like, so. So this is a good place to lose. Yeah, my my. When I walk into a humidor, it doesn't matter what size. When I walk into a humidor, I usually just walk around the edge and and just eyeball all their inventory. Just kind of take a mental inventory of what they have. Like what's where? Yeah. I generally don't pick out a cigar the first time I go around. Then I go through the middle aisles if they have those. Then I'll go back around and look a little closer and start picking out stuff that I think is interesting. I always mm-hmm. it's just a mental inventory thing I have cuz later on I might go, you know, I've seen that somewhere and I'll go, "Oh yeah, it was at that place." So what you're looking for is something new or you're looking for the old and then something new or what? I yeah, it depends on my mood. Like sometimes I want something I've never tried before and a lot of times I'll do that, you know, I'll wander around enough to where they come in and go, "Can I help you?" I'm like, "Yeah, what's new and interesting? What's cool?" You know, and I'll do that and I'll and I'll take their recommendations. But uh but there are some standards that I always pick up. Like, there are some cigars that I go, you know, I just need to have one in my humidor because I like that, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but you like variety, obviously. But I like, yeah, I like variety. I like to try different things. And then mm-hmm. my other thing is my humidor, I get to looking at it, and everything I have in there is like like 6 by 52 or bigger. So lately, mm. when I go through humidor, I'm like, what can I get that's a little smaller than that <laughs> yeah. that yeah. I might have fun too? And that's okay. I like bigger cigars, but... You know, sometimes, like on my drive home and stuff, I want something a little smaller. By the way, we're brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston. And in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth, we would be remiss if we don't say this word at least once on the show. Bacon. Bacon. Oh, my God. <laughs> Have you had their bacon there? Oh, no. my it's God. Ridiculous. It'll make you, it's, it's ridiculous. It's so good. It's yeah. so good, it'll make you take back stuff you didn't even steal. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> it's that good. It really is. Uh, and props to Jeremiah, who uh, actually was... Uh, uh, had plans to join us on the show uh, last week, but wasn't able uh, wasn't able to make it. But like a uh, like a great uh, guest and friend that he is, he let me know that a couple of days in advance. So that's you know He's again good that's, like a, that. that's a that's 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 a wonderful thing to do. So that way he didn't have to line up a a backup a backup. There plan. seems to but be an underlying current here. There, there does seem to be, <laughs> and and believe me, it's not about Jason or Tom. <laughs> um, so we mentioned Jason. We will reschedule him to be on the show when he's feeling. Better and, and back be, in town yeah. uh, because we do want to talk my father's cigars. It's such and a, there's such actually an a third brand. one of us. My brother Ryan also is in the and also is in the cigar industry. Yes, and yes. who does he uh, represent? Well, currently, right now, he's also representing Drew Estate, but they're going in house at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. But he does uh, Agonosa, which is okay, yeah. uh, Eduardo oh, yeah. Fernandez, you know, yes, Casa Fernandez uh-huh. products. Yes, that's good. He, yeah, he does Steve Sockas, and he's looking at some new stuff to start with next year. I can't that's say great. yet. That's so. great. Well, and so Drew Estates bringing all their reps in house is, is yes. what you're saying. That's yeah. interesting. Uh, they are uh, they are a very interesting company. I don't know what it's they definitely do been, things different. Yeah, they definitely do. They definitely do. Uh, before we get too far away from legislation, I wanted to just pass along uh, the information. Congress has until tomorrow to reach the deal on the new government spending package and avoid at least oh, a partial government shutdown. And among the things that are being debated, probably as we speak, uh, as they try to divide the you know $313 billion in available funds, is a rider that would block the FDA from using its budget to regulate, and I'm quoting exactly here, traditional large and premium cigars. So this is the exemption that we've been talking about. It's what we yes. on the show have been in favor of all along. We'll know by the time we do the next show. We'll know what happened. So, we've got our fingers crossed today. Fingers if you're a crossed. if right. you're a cigar smoker, this is a uh, this is a pretty big deal. It's got some major backing, and uh, so we'll see. 
We'll see how we'll see how it goes. I, uh, I again, I hate just leaving things in the hands of the government, but hopefully, in this case, the government will do the right thing and not give them the money. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, Ian is uh, cracking open our first uh, beer, which is the Lagunitas. Uh, this is the uh, Sparkling Swan. Is the name of it? It's a beer wine hybrid, and beer wine hybrids are actually becoming more and more of a thing. Uh, and I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll try to load that one. Uh, um, that sounds they're, interesting. They're becoming more and more of a thing as you know, craft beer companies look to you know expand and diversify and try new things. And Lagunitas has been no. Uh, They've not at all been afraid to try new things. It's one of the things I, I love about them. They've got their, you know, their standbys, that Lagunitas IPA, which you can find in a lot of places where you can't find other IPAs. It's almost a, a go-to it's in a restaurant. It's rather ubiquitous. Yes, it is. I love that word, by the way. It, 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 it's a rather, rather a go-to. So This smells uh, fantastic. It really mm-hmm. does. And I've heard yes. this described as being a great craft beer for people who are more... Uh, into wine or champagne, but are interested in getting a little bit of maltiness along with what they. This uh, is so different. Yeah, this is so very different. The sparkliness, it's almost a little too sparkly, but it's. I think it's right for this particular. I mean, because you, it's sweet and it's tart, but you get a little of that grape, like you're saying. Yeah, right. there's definitely grape. Almost like you remember yeah. the grape boxes that you used to get when you were getting right. grape juice boxes. Yeah, it's remember like yeah. that kind of a grape flavor. Remember on uh, New Year's Eve when your mom would give you sparkling grape juice? juice? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, mm-hmm. like the red kind. This this has a little bit of that flavor to it. It's it really interesting. We drink a lot of sparkling wine at my house. Our, by the way. I'll tell you my favorite if you promise not to buy it out at Specs because they're out of it right now and I'm very concerned. Um, but there is a um, $10 bottle of Brut Cava called Dibon, D-I-B-O-N, and that is the go-to at our house. We like it better than just about anything you can buy under 40 bucks a bottle. Right, that isn't Vuv yeah, or right, one of those, right. yeah. And, and it's, it's terrific, and I, I can already tell you my wife would really love this beer. Now, after we had, on last week's show... The um, the St. Arnold Bishop's Barrel 22. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went back and bought some more because I thought my wife is going to really like this. She likes beer, but she's just not really into the more bitter, hoppy type of things. Right, right. And I thought, she's going to love this. And sure enough, she was crazy about it. She loved that. I think she would really like this, too. I like it. But then again, I, I I'm a fan of the bubbly. So uh, so this this it's interesting. Right it has that dryness that that a good bubbly has too. But it's and also got some malt in there, which you don't get right, right. when you uh, now, when you do. You a, mentioned a you don't drink a whole lot of beer. No, in general. No. Um, um, what are you thinking about it? No, that's really nice. I mean, like you said, it's kind of a, a nice cross between you know wine, possibly a, a Bordeaux. Yeah. You know because I. Kind of got a little bit in that because of Pete Johnson. It's he does his, his own yeah. wine, yeah, yeah. With you know, with the beer, like you're saying, the maltiness. I mean, what do you think, Robert? I think it's it's a really really nice. That sparkling makes it really refreshing. Mm-hmm. The hoppiness is just right. It's not over hoppy. Just right, hoppy. It's, it's well balanced. Hoppy enough. Uh, you get that little tart towards the end, which reminds me of the skin of the grape. Mm-hmm. The, uh, mm, right. Yeah. And and my favorite grapes are the ones that you get. Occasionally, they'll have them at the grocery store. They're the darker, more purple grapes, mm-hmm. but they've yes. got the seeds inside mm-hmm. that gelatinous exactly. thing in, in the middle. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh I and, love and, those. And, and they're a little bitter, love, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, 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 I absolutely love I don't know if you guys them. feel it, but it almost turns into a plummy kind of uh, taste. Yes. Yes. 
Ian, mm-hmm. uh, introduce uh, your friend. To, oh, I'm uh, sorry. Uh, this is this is Roberto. He's uh, I, I met him oddly enough. I met him at the New Potato. He's one of the bartenders mm-hmm. over there. And he also we love, does. We've been a show there. <laughs> he's a bit of a Renaissance man. He also does uh, karaoke nights and things like that. Um, but just in going over there and chatting, and I, you know, I go up there and smoke a cigar, and we get to talking. And if it, my favorite thing is to go up there, and I know it's not good for him, but I go up there on a night where he's really not busy, <laughs> <laughs> and we'll just sit out there and talk cigars for for you know a few hours out there, one or two cigars for the evening. We've gotten to the point where we start swapping cigars and stuff. So and good I, ruck. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I told him I said uh, you know at some point in time we're on uh, location come check it out man come come hang out and see what's going on because uh, oh, I figured cool. he'd really enjoy it so that's why he's here he's also a great personality um, so don't uh, don't speak too eloquently because I don't want you to take my job ah. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah Ian I think there's a phone call for you yeah, in the right. other room. <laughs> <laughs> Robert that was my uh, chair so uh, <laughs> yeah I'm when he moves over into this chair you'll know. Yeah. <laughs> No, uh, um, we love the new potato. Uh, not only is it one of Ian's uh, hangs, uh, but we did a we did a really fun show there where we invited um, the uh, people from Lone Pine uh, yes. Brewing uh, to to come and bring beers. And there were two things that I loved about it. Uh, well, not, love might be the wrong word. Two things I found really interesting. The first is that, as far as I'm concerned, and I'm a fan of IPAs, mm-hmm. I believe that Lone Pint makes the best IPA in America. Yellow Rose it for is me is Yellow Rose is always. Oh, it's so good. So they show up, and they didn't bring it. Like nope. he, he brought a whole bunch of other things. So we actually named that week's show Best IPA Ever, and they didn't bring it. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, so, uh, so that was interesting. But the other thing that I love is he brought... A well, beer. It, he brought like that, four growlers. Right. Yeah. So we didn't know what things, they were right. until he told us. Yeah. And then one of them. Well, let me set this up for you if you don't mind. One of them he gives to us, and he's like, "What do you think of this?" And I take a sip, and I'm like, mm, "I don't want to be crass in front of him." I'm like, "Yeah, he's a guest not, on the it's show. Not very interesting. It's not you know, but all these things are going on in my head." And I'm like, "Well, I'm not really sure." And he goes. Yeah, that's a bad beer. <laughs> yeah, we didn't like this one very much. We didn't like this one. Almost like he was testing us yeah. to see if we would go, oh, it's delicious. It's see if those guys know what they're doing. <laughs> you, you would think. But he did bring some other yeah, beers. So, oh, yeah, were, he was, yeah, he was fun. He was very personable. And by the way, you can find the Jabberwock now. It's out. We've reviewed it yeah, on the show. Yeah, yeah. And when you, when you can find it, get it. It's a, uh, a slightly bigger uh, IPA, uh, but if you're particularly if you like the doubles or or things that and I go like, a little further. I like the Yellow Rose, but I'm gonna say if I was gonna pick uh, two favorite IPAs, Yellow Rose would be number three, and I would put I would put uh, Dogfish Head 90 Minute. Mm-hmm. Oh man, like ones that you can get all the time because their 120 Minute is my absolute favorite. Uh, but Dogfish Head 90 Minute and um, and uh, Bell's Two Hearted Ale, those are my absolute you favorite. You know, IPAs. the Bell's is so good. I think my I think Yellow Rose would be my number one. Uh, number two would be Sierra Nevada's ha- uh, Hazy Little Thing. That's a good uh, beer. Which I've had I love. I've been, I've been exploring Hazy IPAs lately. I don't know if you've had uh, Spindle Taps Houston Hazy. Oh yeah, it's we had them on the show. Yeah, yeah great. it's quite good. Quite good. And I think honestly, at this moment in time, my third may be the Eureka Heights Mini Boss. That's a good beer. <laughs> That's a good beer. All your hopper belong to. I us. love their can. Yeah. 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 It's. Terrific. I want to. Uh, I want to talk about this. This cigar because we've we've neglected the whole first. Um, third and most of the second third of this cigar uh, as far as talking about it this is a powerhouse it goes actually oddly well with the lagunitas that we just tried um but also it's got this super cedary or oaky kind of aftertaste that just 
drives all the way through. It's like sometimes you get hints of that in a cigar. This thing has it the entire time, and not in an overwhelming way, but just this great flavor drawing all the way through. through. Yeah, yeah, all the way through. I'm loving it. Thank you. And I think that's why it goes so well with that particular wine-based beer that we had, because mm-hmm. those oaky flavors, or w- those woody kind of flavors really go well with wine most of the time. Yeah. As, as happens on the show, sometimes we get to doing things and talking and trying to fix my cables and what have you. Um, I, I let this one uh, just about go out. This is the Tetuaje. Did I say it right? Yes. Okay, good. Yes. I'm, I'm getting there. Sometimes it'll take me the whole show to get it right. I actually, We actually had a guest on. That I that I mispronounced his name the entire show. He was such a nice guy. He didn't. I didn't even find out till like the next day. I've been saying his name wrong. So uh, that's uh, that's always embarrassing. But uh, but no, I had to do a relight on this. Zero relight penalty. Oh, you gotta love Zero, that. Zero, which I love yeah. when that happens because often you know you know things happen. You're smoking a cigar. The phone rings. Uh, something happens that you got to tend to for a few moments. They're, you they're, come back and you go, oh, I got half the cigar left, and now it's hard. There are cigars in my human order that if I think if I think I'm going to get distracted, I won't smoke because the relight right. penalty is awful. Right. Well, Even if it's a great cigar. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, a lot of the, all the products that I work with, fortunately, are what we call clean tobacco. So it's well aged fermented tobacco. So you know, you shouldn't get that aftertaste. You know, that nastiness mm-hmm. in the morning. You know, after smoking the cigars, you know, night before. But the also ashtray mouth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, the other great thing, we have really good clean tobacco like Tatuaje and Jerry and Ranabano's products, that when you can actually let the cigar go out. Have, y'all ever, have you guys ever purged a cigar and relit it? So what do you mean by blow through it and then and then relight it? There's a way you. It's actually called purging. What actually, you, the guy who showed me that was Ben, For, ben and Forbes over at Lone yeah. Star Tobacco. Yeah, what I usually to do, it. tell me if I'm right, what I usually do is blow through the cigar. And then I'll superheat the end, light it without puffing. Yeah. And then blow again, and then puff. So you blow no, before, no, 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 and then no, no. no. In fact, here, here we can do it with your cigar right now if you want. I'll show you guys how to do this. Okay, get right. rid of that ash. All right. So if a cigar gets too strong for you, I hope you guys are or, paying attention. Actually, here it is. If a cigar is too strong, we have or a, if it goes out, we have a torch here too. No, no, better, better do with a soft light. Okay, soft light. Yeah. So what you're going to do is. I don't want because you've had it in your mouth, so you're going to yeah. do this, right? So what you're going to do, like you said, you're going to blow through, get rid of the ash, and then you're going to take this flame, and you're going to take a deep breath and blow back through the scar and hold this flame like this to the end of the scar. As you're blowing out, you're going to see it out. out. You see the flame. You'll see a flame come out of it. Hmm. So as you're doing that, this will be this blue flame, and you can slowly pull the mat or the lighter off of it. There you go. No, nope. keep blowing and pull your lighter away. And then and usually you blow what you that do, out or let it go out? No, you, you keep blowing until it goes out. And then oh, when it goes out, and then blowing. keep blowing until that flame goes out. And then you take a puff. So if you ever let the cigar go out, just do that, and it'll clean it. It's called purging your cigar. And you nice. can just keep so smoking. So if it's cold out, it'll still light yes. that way? Yes, yes. If it's good, clean tobacco. It'll, it won't <laughs> affect the flavor at all. But what's nice, if the cigar's too strong, it'll actually bring that strength down just a little bit for you, too. Interesting. Because it because it pulls some of the you know what just uh, doing that harsh, harsh, but yeah, the, 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 the just doing that yeah. while my uh, cigar was still lit just doing that brought the uh, intensity down a little bit exactly too. yeah how interesting I've never known that it's I love larger. learning new stuff yeah so that's how you purge a cigar yep show number one sixteen how to purge a cigar that's <laughs> nice awesome you already knew this no well, I mean oh. I've heard about that term but I didn't I didn't know because how I've you did heard it? a band and Forbes uh, talk about it. 
but never really see and i always did it where where like i said i'd blow through it and then I'd, and then i'd superheat the end without puffing and then blow through again that way i was never drawing stale right like cold smoke cold through embers it. yeah right and that that always helped but i'm gonna start doing it that way right that's, that's cool thank you for that yeah, yeah. i mean yeah we all get busy you, like you said you set a cigar mm -hmm. down you come back an hour or two later you're like oh, man do i really want to light this but it was so good when i started so yeah, purge it, and yeah, it'll start right Like up. I said, there are some cigars, we talk about the relight penalty from time to time, because there is, uh, on a lot of cigars, there's a relight penalty that mm -hmm. sometimes, if that, if that cigar goes out, even if you have, you know, two-thirds of it left, it's like, it's not going to relight well. Right. You know? and, well. And it's frustrating, yeah. especially if it was a more expensive yeah. stick. Yeah. Well, know? yeah, I, I've come home, you know, from business in the evening, have, you know, half or two-thirds of a cigar left, I'll lay, set it down, start up in the morning, purge it, Start over again. Just keep smoking. Get out of it. here. I mm -hmm. love it. That's All right. terrific. All right. Totally trying it. Yeah. So, yeah. We will yeah. be experimenting with this for sure. <laughs> yeah. I can't uh, tell you how many half cigars I've let go because of that. Uh, talk to me a little about uh, about your um, your latest venture. Your latest one is Aladdin. Is that right? Yes. Uh, talk to me. You were talking to me a little bit about this before the show started, about uh, how you got involved, what the, you know, what the sort of goal of the company is, and, and how you're... Uh, uh, you know, you mentioned a bit that you weren't, you know, producing tons of cigars, but that it was really Correct. about uh, quality over uh, over uh, quantity. quantity. But I just think that's such an interesting message, and it's so good to see from a boutique company that they're really adhering to that. Yes. I mean, you know, uh, again, Julio, Rafael Roy is the initials, you know, for JRE. And Julio is now an 80-year-old Cuban, you know, second-generation leaf grower from Cuba. Uh, again, he was also the guy who developed the Hamastron Valley there in Honduras, where, of course, he grows his tobacco, Nestor Placencia grows all his stuff. And you know, it's worth mentioning that there are so many of the major big cigar brands, Rocky Patel and some of the others, yes. that that's yeah, where they get all the tobacco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah a lot of them do, yeah. Yes. And when I sat with Julio last year in February, when I went down to the factory to meet with him, and again, I, to back up, you know, to clarify, you know, I worked with Julio with Camacho since 99. And when I sat with him, I said, you know, I asked him, I said, where do you guys want to take this company? And Julio looked at me and goes, what do you mean? I said, well, do you want this company doing 20, 22 million cigars a year like we used to do with Camacho? And he looked at me and shook his head. He's like, oh, God, never again. He goes, that was a nightmare. The logistics, you know, keeping people employed, keeping the quality. He said, I never want to do that again. He said, however, what I want to do is I want to do three, three to three and a half, four million for, my, for our products and then a million, million and a half for other people. He said, because what I want to be remembered, my legacy is the best cigar manufacturer in the world. Before any cigar manufacturers out there, you know, before Fuente or Padron or, or anyone else, he said, when you think cigars, I want them to think me. And I said, so what you're talking about is quality, not quantity. And he goes, exactly. Wow. I said, so that means we're going to make perfect cigars. He goes, Ex exactly. He goes, I'm training everybody the way I want them to roll, which is the old Cuban style. <laughs> um, you know, he's... He just, I mean, he's really zeroed in on perfection. What is it about the old Cuban style of rolling that makes it better? Well, there's, there's different styles. You have, like, booking. You have the intubar, which is, you know, rolling the you know, tobacco in a tube. He does kind of this, this odd way that it's, it's like a book with an intubar. It's, it's really unique. When, you know, when you watch the rollers and they're, they're putting the fillers together in their hand, mm -hmm. you know, and they put them in the Lieberman, if they take it out of their hand and they open up their hand, the whole thing comes undone again. Right. It's really, really wild to watch how they do this. Like a spring, you've got to hold it under yeah. compression, right? Exactly, yeah. So the way he rolls it, you can't get a plug. 
you know. Right. So he's doing it this way. I mean, in fact, it was interesting because the guy who noticed it last February was Charlie Monado from Half Wheel. He was down there with us. And love to have you guys, if you ever want to come down, you know, let us know. You know, love to try to get you down there. Absolutely. Uh, but Charlie was there and noticed this, this technique, and he went to Julio and goes, Julio, what is that technique of rolling? He goes, that's the traditional Cuban way. You know, it's an old Cuban guy. And he goes, no, no, no. He goes, that into bar, booking. He goes, Charlie, that is the Cuban tradition. That's all I know. We roll tradition. And he goes, okay. You know, kind of like that. <laughs> he goes, Charlie looks at me and goes, dude, I've only seen this rolled in two other factories, and I've been to 40-something factories. And I was like, well, that's cool to know. I, I didn't yeah. notice it. Yeah. Well, and, and you can tell when a cigar is really well constructed. I mean, if you look at, I mean, look at that. That's, that's after a relight. That is a near perfect burn. You just can't get much better than that. Oh, yeah. And, Ian, yours looks the same way. But, yeah. 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 And I, I tended mine once, but that's because I set it down and left it and almost went out. Yeah. And I got it to fire back up, and it was I barely tended it. It was beautiful. This is uh, the draw on this cigar is actually really outstanding as well because, like, some cigars are effortless, and effortless is not necessarily the best. Effortless, right. effortless, a lot of times means okay, this cigar is probably going to smoke fast and a little hot, and it's underfilled, right? Yes. Um, but then again, you get some that draw real hard. I always start, you know, left to my own devices, I almost always start with a, a punch. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's a little hard to draw, then I'll clip it after that. And if it's a little hard to draw after that, it usually leaves me with, mm, maybe this cigar is not going to draw well. This cigar has been just a little um, a little bit of resistance on the draw, which is about perfect. It's been that way the it's entire time. Oh, yeah. 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 It was interesting, too. You say that at the show when Pepin was over there with Houston, we we're all talking. Pepin looked at Houston after he'd smoked the cigars and goes, wow, these are great. He goes, you must have Nicaraguan rollers. And who's the laugh? He goes, no, these are rollers in Honduras. My dad trained. He's like, really? <laughs> he goes, yeah. And year before, when we were at the trade show, my friend Ethan had given Pete Johnson one of their Lanceros we were talking about earlier, you know, in the regular Aladino that, uh-huh. you know, Robert's smoking. And we're all hanging out at the bar one night, and Pete hadn't smoked it yet because it was still fairly new to the market. So Ethan hands one to Pete because Pete had handed him something special. Uh-huh. Pete looked at it and goes, yeah, that's okay. And he started to hand it back, and Ethan's like, why? He goes, oh, it's plugged. He goes, oh, it's not. He goes, well, it's rolled too tight. He goes, trust me, it'll draw. So Pete lit it and goes, holy crap. Now, I'd man. like to go back because we were talking about this a little bit between segments. Uh, but talk about how what's different about how they roll the Lanceros there because that yes. was very interesting. Yeah, now the way Julio does his Lanceros, he only has one team. It means a pair that roll the Lancero because they're tra- you know, like I said they're all trained by him and these guys are trained specifically just for the Lancero. So when they roll the Lancero, they not only destem do the filler leaf, they destem the whole rat or filler leaf. Normally when guys do their filler leaf, they do a frog leg, which is another technique where they peel out the bottom two thirds of the uh-huh. stem and they leave the top third in. Well, when you're doing a Lancero, have any stem in there, you know, it's not good. It's significant because it's so thin, right? yeah, so you're talking about cigar, 38 yeah. to a 40 yeah, yeah. ring gauge. So he destems the whole thing, and then he also has them peel out any of the thick veins. So all you're getting is actual wrapper. I mean, leaf. I shouldn't say wrapper, but just leaf, the leaf yeah, of right. it. And every cigar is draw tested to make sure they're perfect. And my buddy Ethan, again, this guy smoked over 700 Lanceros from him. And he said, I haven't had one problem with any of that's those cigars. That's outstanding. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I got I to love, uh, love the uh, quality over quantity because there's been a few cigar companies that – I've lost trust in it um, because of that, because the I think they got too big too fast. They're yes. trying to catch up with production. The quality goes down, and the next thing you know, my cigars are kind of coming apart. They still taste okay, but the cigars are coming apart, and it gets well, frustrating, you know? We talked about that with, with Camacho after it yes. was acquired. Yeah, as soon as the labels changed. Real, yeah. real yeah. tough period of time. Now, I will say, 
they are definitely on the road back because the last couple of Camachos I've had have been quite good and yeah. they smoked you know evenly and I didn't have construction issues but there was a while I gave up on them completely Gurkhas were the same way yes yeah yeah and yeah. those are getting better too yeah. I mean yeah. we've had what was that little uh, Gurkha that we had that uh, that that baby that the commissioner was, gave us oh my god that was a great cigar. that was the was a signature of some signature sort. reserve something. Oh yeah, the re- yeah part of the reserve line. Yeah, yeah. yeah. fantastic cigar, mm-hmm. great flavor, and for a little bitty guy, you know, it was just a yeah. uh, a, a real good smoke. You mentioned um, uh, clean tobacco earlier, and I just wanted to say this cigar is now starting to do something which I love, which is the flavor that it is leaving yes. in my mouth after when I'm not smoking it for a moment, and this can continue. Like after the cigar is done, you still have that flavor in your mouth, but it's so pleasant. It's not that. Yes. It's not that sort of smoky, ashy sort of thing. It's the it's the tang and the reminder uh-huh. of the flavors that you were getting in the cigar. This has just got wonderful complexity and reminds me that I don't smoke enough tatuajes. This no, is good. Yeah, this I mean, good. and that's the idea behind clean tobacco is just tobacco that's been well aged and fermented. You know, a lot of guys, unfortunately, they rush that tobacco. Because, you know, like you're saying, they want to get up their production, meet demand. Right. So when they do that, of course, the tobacco is not well fermented. Yeah, and they and just want to get them out before they have a deadline. Of, oh, this is a, I promised. Yes. Yeah. It's going to be, and then they rush it. Yeah. I've seen, there's a, I don't know if you, uh, the guy from Warped. Yeah, uh, Kyle. I, I remember when he uh, released those black honeys. The f- it was about a year ago. He first, I first tried it. Mm-hmm. And I was waiting for that cigar. And it got to the stores, and I got it from Forbes. I was like, it was a little bit rough because you could tell it was it was rushed. It was rushed. Yeah, it's still Sometimes young. the tobacco's too young. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. I mean, Fuente has the best saying: "Don't rush the hands of time." Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if if you know, you just gotta wait to you know for perfection. And that's one of the reasons that, despite the amount of cigars that they produce. The consistency is, is really, yeah. really impressive. Yes. It really is. Yes. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back in the next uh, segment, I want to ask you where you think the best tobacco is being grown right now, and okay. uh, we'll talk about that. Plus, we're going to be trying Victory Brewing's Winter Cheers. It's an American pale wheat ale from Victory, which is another one of those uh, craft breweries that I don't think we've ever had anything from them that we didn't Victory's absolutely love. consistently excellent. <laughs> um, their products are always high quality. Yep. So. And still to come, the uh, Backwoods Bastard Bourbon Barrel Age Scotch Ale and the Antigua Porteño, eight-year-aged rum from Colombia. We'll do those in the final segment as well. Uh, we're smoking a toasting live at Casa de Monte Cristo, and uh, Tom Polner is our guest, and we'll be right back. Welcome back at Smoking and Toasting to show number 116. We are live at Casa de Monte Cristo in Houston, and we are brought to you by the fine folks and their excellent food, an amazing bar at B&B Butchers and Restaurant, 1814 Washington Ave in Houston, and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. Smoking and Toasting is all about craft beer, fine spirits, hand-rolled cigars. We're talking about all three today, but it's a very cigar-centric show because our uh, guest is Tom Poehler. Tom is... uh, Involved with a number of great boutique brands, and we were just raising the question in the uh, in the break yeah. of how we how you define boutique 
right. when it comes to a cigar company. Right. And you were starting to tell a story, and we said, no, wait, let's do this in a second. <laughs> okay. Well, the story goes, back in 96, and, well, let me paraphrase first. My brothers hate this story. There you go. That's yeah, what I My brothers hate when I tell this story. Uh, back in 96, I had just finished a road trip down here with my dad, you know, because I was just getting into business. You know, we're selling Fuente and La Aurora, Miami Scars, a bunch of different brands. And he decided to take a weekend trip with my mom to New Orleans. So, of course, I had to drive the car home and said, hey, go to College Station. There's a little uh, liquor store out there that sells cigars. I want you to go see him. So I went in to see this guy. And while I'm waiting to talk to the manager, the manager's walking around with some consumer and showing her all these wines. And while he's talking to her about these wines, he goes, well, this is a boutique wine. This boutique wine, yada, yada. And I kept listening to him talk to her. So when he was done, we went back to his office, and I said, hey, quick question. What is a boutique wine? He goes, well, it's something where it's very limited. You know, we don't, they don't make a lot of it. It's a, you know, small number batch. Um, he goes, they use their best grapes. You know, they let it age longer. He goes, so, you know, that's pretty much what we call a boutique wine. So after I got to thinking about it, I thought, well, you know what? Some cigars could classify as a boutique cigar. Yeah. So I came up with the, determina the determination that anything under half a million in production in mm -hmm. a brand, not company, but a brand, would be classified as a boutique cigar. Because if you think of the, let's say the boxes they make, they come with 25 cigars in a box. Right. So, you know, you divide 25 into, you know, uh, half a million. Then that would be leave you with 20,000 boxes. And then you divide that by 10 months out of the year to be shipped. That leaves you with 2,000 boxes. And then you divide that by 10 territories. That leaves you only 200 boxes of territory. Yeah. So... That's, that's pretty much boutique. That's boutique. Yeah. that's boutique. Now you get to other, and then my brother Jason started using micro boutique. You know, nobody was using that one then, and <laughs> we started to come up with different, you know, classifications. But you know, for me, like, you know, when I sat with Pete the first time, and Pete you know, I were talking about his production, and I said, "Hey, Pete," I said, "Let's keep you boutique," and he goes, "Boutique?" I go, "Yeah, let's keep it under half a million." I said, "Let me ask you a question: How much money do you need to be happy?" Pete's like, man, I make enough money now. I, dude, I, I don't need more money. I mean, and that's what I love about Pete and George Rico and who. So these are just down to earth, you know, just good guys. It's not about the money. It's about the love of the leaf and what they like doing. Mm -hmm. And they love meeting people and hanging out with everybody. They'll meet you guys and hang. You know, they're just great guys. So Pete was like, look, I don't need the money. I said, great. Then let's keep your cigars boutique. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, well, we'll increase the production up to half a million and then stop. You need more money? We take another brand, get it up to half a million. Stop. Take another brand, up to half a million. There isn't any one of Pete's brands that he does over half a million production. So everything he does is boutique. Now, he does two and a half, three million cigars, but he has 14 different lines. Right, exactly. Now, how long does it take to get a brand up to half a million in um, general? Uh, assuming your product is awesome and, and right, you already well, have and, and good again, representation. Well, just like you were saying, Cruz, right? Yeah. That, you know... The problem with a lot of these guys, they're not set up for it. They don't have the tobacco ready for it. I mean, because right. all these cigars we're smoking right now that I've been giving you guys, all this tobacco is aged a minimum three years. So if all of a sudden something hits and it gets really popular, that wasn't planned three years ago. Right. So right, now yeah. we got to get that tobacco grown. We got to get that tobacco There's a big lag, right? Age. Right. You get so a it takes big time. review and cigar aficionado and everybody's, exactly. uh, you know, trying to find the cigar and all of a sudden... Your demand has, has increased dramatically. Right. And like Robert said, too, that, you know, what happens with these guys, all of a sudden, you know, they're rushing it. Cigar doesn't burn right. You know, it's underfilled. It, you know, we have all these problems. So what they've got to do is they have to have the infrastructure. 
that's the big problem. You have to have the money to back you. Meaning right. you've got to have a lot, a lot of tobacco. You've got to have the, the facility to do all this. You've got to buy the tobacco and basically allow it to age. Exactly, right. And you that's know? what Julio does. I mean, he's a farmer first and then a manufacturer. And all his tobacco he's been sitting on, he's been, he's been growing tobacco for the last eight, nine years. And right. just sitting on it. And the reason why he's been sitting on his tobacco, unfortunately, Davidoff reneged on his contractual agreement with him. They were supposed to buy the tobacco from him, which... Okay, so they didn't because they were sitting on a mountain of tobacco, of like 42 or 43 million pounds back then, which was way more That's than they ever needed. a ton of tobacco. Tons. I mean, because they were only using, on average, about two and a half, three million pounds a year. Right. So, you know, they had roughly 12, 15 years worth of tobacco. So they didn't need to buy any more. But so Julio just kept growing it. Well, now he's got the tobacco. So if he were to explode, yeah, it might take him a year, a year and a half, just to make sure everybody was trained and rolling the way he wants. I mean, he's got a box factory. He's set up. And that's what blew, you know, Charlie Monado away. When Charlie came down, because Charlie thought, this is a little operation. I said, Charlie, right now, our distribution is small. But the operation behind it is massive. And when he came down, he saw it. He's like, dude, I've never seen anything this big for a little company. I said, we're going to get bigger. But, you know, we need the infrastructure behind us first. So that's what we're doing. And the plan will be to get bigger with more lines, not with exactly. more production of right. a particular right. line. Right. right. That's why right now, like I said, you know, next year, you know, the plan is we're going to release the Aladino, Connecticut, more like the original Camacho, Connecticut style. Uh, we're going to also release Julio's 80th anniversary cigar. Nice. Yeah, it's going to be a, a box See, pressed. Those original Camachos are uh, dear to my heart because when I first started smoking cigars, those were some of the, oh, those are like you could go to anything in that line. Yeah, and it'll be mm-hmm. an outstanding cigar. And their um, their uh, their Maduro blends, especially, were just some of my absolute favorites. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, if you like the original Camacho Crojo, it was more of what I call a pepper bomb. Yeah. Right. On a scale of one to ten, it was a seven to an eight. Well, that's what the Julio's 80 is going to be. It's going to be a box press risotto. You know, more that seven to eight strength from one to ten. And like I was telling you guys earlier, like the reservers nine to ten, and then our regular Aladinos, you know, five to six. So. Now, the cigar I just smoked, I actually didn't want to give it up, but I did because you gave me yet another cigar. Um, I would have smoked that till my fingers burned, and it was excellent. This, the uh, Tatascan, is quite interesting. Which one am I smoking here with the red? This is the, That's the, the Habano wrapper. Habano wrapper. That's what I thought. Um, and it has a little bit of a sweetness to the tip on it, but a little spicy to it as well. It's right. really interesting. Um, Sweet it comes across. This is a little bit um, uh, lighter in flavor. Than that cigar, but I'm Definitely. thinking this is a medium. It is. In, in it's, it's, it's what I call like, you know, less than medium. Right. So it's right under like a four, four and a half. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is outstanding so far, and I'm about a half inch into it. Yeah. yeah. It's and it, and then like Rob and I were talking earlier during the break. I yeah. Mean, you'd have you'd, you'd had this before. Yeah. Not the Habano, but I think the that and now it makes sense because that the sweet tip combined with that Habano that make that gives you that spicy. Yeah, spicy. Yeah. It's a. Uh, I think it's great. I just had the. I've, I've had the. The, the Connecticut. Uh, Connecticut, shake. Connecticut. Yeah. Uh, no, and, and you know what? Most people don't know that Julio originally made the Baccarats. So those are all sweet tips. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. the Nat Sherman sweet tips. He made all those originally. And it was funny because last year when I was down at the factory, Julio asked me, he said, Hey, have you smoked my Tata skin? I said, Yeah. He goes, What do you think? I said, I didn't like it. He goes, what do you mean you didn't like it? It's the original background. I said, yeah, I didn't like the background either. <laughs> and he goes, but you sold millions. I said, of course I did. People want, I don't, Julio, I, I sell what people want, not what I want, okay? <laughs> and he goes, he goes, well, what did you not like about it? I said, well, real simple. The scar was kind of harsh, a little green, 
little bitter. I said, you know, when I look at a Connecticut, I want it smooth. I want it creamy. I want it sweet. I want it to be a little complex, light spice and pepper. He's like, huh. And my buddy Ethan again, he, he had smoked a cigar with me last year. He didn't like any of the Tascans. Well, fast forward, months later, we're at the trade show. And I walk in the booth, my, my buddy Ethan's there helping me out. And he was in the booth and selling, and he was smoking a Tascan. He goes, here, smoke this. I go, no, no, I've already yeah. smoked one. He goes, no, 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 try it. He goes, I think Julio listened. I'm like, really? So I picked it up and like, oh, my God, this is incredible, dude. I love these cigars now. Yes. <laughs> you know? And I've been smoking them, and it's kind of hard for me to give them out. That's why I didn't give you guys samples at first, because I usually keep them to smoke. <laughs> we had to talk you out of yeah. them. Like, I don't know if these guys know what they're talking and, about. And, yeah. like, the best part is what we were saying, the price point on these cigars is Oh, great. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah the, what do these what do these sell for in the shop? Well, they're going up in price January first. So currently right now they're four fifty to like mm -hmm. seven dollars, but they're gonna go up to, you know, five to seven fifty. Nice. Mm -hmm. So like a corona will be five, your robusto will be five fifty, the Toro will be six. So that's what we're yeah, doing. Yeah, that's a great still a great price. price. Still a great price, yeah. Oh, I love that sound. Uh, <laughs> uh, while he's pouring the uh, victory winner cheers, um, outside of the people that you work with. Who do you think is making uh, great cigars in the industry right now? Or is there a, maybe a specific cigar or two that you that you really like? Well, when I look at that, I look at the factory. I mean, you know, guys like Pete, he's, he's, a, he's a great blender. Mm -hmm. I mean, he doesn't have the factory. That's Pepin. And Pepin's doing a phenomenal job. Uh, outside of Pepin and Julio, uh, you know, I really have a lot of respect for, for uh, yes, please, I'll try a little of that. Uh, Paul Palmer and Eduardo Fernandez from you know Agonosa, mm -hmm. they're coming a lot of stuff. Like you're talking about the stuff for Kyle's made there. Yeah, he he gets a lot. Uh, well, Casa Fernandez, I think that's yes. who there who rolls all the. Yeah, he rolls all the warped stuff and everything. Yeah. I think they're doing a great job. Um, also, George Rico, he's really revamping everything. I think he's going to be up and coming because I'm getting a lot of requests lately for his products. Guys are liking it because of the price point. That's what mm -hmm. Robert was saying. He likes the price yeah. point of it. Well, you know? cigar, uh, cigars can be a very expensive habit. I yes. mean, they really can, uh, especially if you're smoking you know, more than one or two a week. You know, it, it starts to yeah. It starts to add up. Now, none of us are doing Rudy Giuliani numbers. Right. But uh, <laughs> yeah. did you hear that story? No, what's uh, that? In his divorce settlement, I think the uh, the amount for cigars, uh, his monthly budget was something like 11, was 11,000, Ian? Was that yeah, it was some crazy amount. It was some amount. crazy number wow. like that. I'll have to look the story back up. I wish but. I had that cigar budget. I love yeah. how smoky the cigar is, by the way. I'm blowing smoke rings with it. I, just, I love that big, full mm -hmm. smoke. Um, Ian, talk to me a little about the uh, winter cheer from Victor. Well, I haven't tried it yet because I have my mic in my hand, but I will talk while you uh, nose this one. This okay. is uh, six point seven percent, and on the thing. Well, I, should I hold the uh, tasting notes until after we try it? Well, um, sure. let's see what you say about it. This is they got. It's called Winter Cheers, and it's got a great little winter scene on the front and. Uh, the nose is phenomenal. Yeah, I will tell you on the nose it comes across yeah. much more like the wheat beer, which it is. It's a yeah, it's a, a wheat ale. Uh, not as much of, and again on the nose, um, not as much of maybe the winter spice as I might have expected. Uh, you know, when you think winter spice and Christmas beers, yeah. you think you, you think those uh, those things that have a little more of that gingerbread and and that to it. I'm not getting any of that again on the nose. It so may be in it, the flavor. because initially it feels almost like a Hefeweizen, like a German, mm -hmm. and then. Right when you finish the after palate, oh, there, that's yeah, when you right. get the. There's yeah. when the spices come okay. in. Yes, I, I'm gonna go ahead and give you my first impression. Of this okay, fruitcake. 
<laughs> it, and it says on the uh, on the thing it says dried fruit and spices. I'll go with that. There's yes. apricot in there. There's like dried um, that sort of raisiny. Yeah, uh, a little bit of that bit. going on. Not not like in a barrel aged type uh, date raisin. It's a lighter, not, not like yellow raisin exactly. sort of a, a flavor to it. But you know, when I first poured it, I thought it was going to be a little over carbonated as well. And it's not as like it's it not doesn't in the drink. Mouth, no. Yeah, it doesn't drink mouthfeel wise. It doesn't drink as carbonated as it looks. It's not as carbonated as the last one we had. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a nice creamy kind of mouthfeel to it, even though it actually looks thinner than it tastes. It's actually. It's what did a you say, pretty 6. kind 7? of straw yellow. It's yeah, it's six point seven. Pretty sessionable for a six point yeah. seven. Super yeah, crisp for like six point seven. It's like I feel like crisp. Mm-hmm. It almost it almost rem- feels like would be a summer beer <laughs> rather right. than yeah. Yeah. right. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot yeah. of the banana in there though too on the yep. tail end. Yeah, I'm getting orange. You getting orange? Yes. And yes. some coriander there. Yeah, coriander. Yeah. It's mm. it's really interesting. We're we are becoming that beer guy. You realize this? I will tell you this. Um, Hipsters. This yeah. is oh, this, no. No, 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 no. this is way better. I think. I, I think. I don't know if I'd like this as much drinking it straight out of the bottle. You know, I think you um, may be right about that. I think because I want to. I want to have that on the nose. I want to have that full flavor kind of right. thing. So I think this is one that needs to be in a glass. Whereas some beers are fine out of a bottle or out of a can. Um, this out of the uh, out of the bottle, I think, would be a little too carbonated. I think it'd be. Um, one of those beers that would just like when you take a sip, the carbonation would kind of blossom in your mouth a little too much. Uh, but in the uh, in the glass, it's so nice because the the flavor profile, the, well, the, thing, the, the nose kind of spreads so much. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. where my bartender expertise comes out. Uh, <laughs> this kind of beer, like you need to, you see, that's why you get from um, German beers that like have and stuff. You need to get that big head to the, right. The, the beer it, has to breathe. It ah, did pour with a okay. nice uh, with a nice yeah. head yeah. on it, even in these little uh, plastic little taste. Yeah, cups. and it wasn't too much, but I thought maybe at first it was going to be a little overcarbonated. That's actually quite delicious, I think. Ian, yeah. there's a, an app you're going to want to put on your uh, your phone. Lay it on me. It's a free one. It's called Pint Pass. Ooh. Uh, it's a new app for beer enthusiasts that gives you an even better excuse to explore new breweries and tap rooms during the holidays. Uh, Pint Pass will deposit real money onto a digital debit card inside the app after you answer a few short questions about the order that you made and your craft beer preferences. It's accepted at over 6,400 breweries across all 50 states so you can explore the craft beer scene wherever you are. After you download it, you recreate yourself an account on the sign-up uh, page of the app, and then you turn on notifications in your phone settings so you can check into breweries and tap rooms nearby. And then once you open the app at the brewery or tap room that you've decided to visit, you'll be prompted to answer a few short questions. As soon as you do that, you'll see that real money has been deposited onto this digital debit card inside the app. You simply have the server or bartender. Enter the card's 16-digit code into their system, just like they would with any other debit card, to settle your tab. It's that simple. Huh. Wow. Now, as a bartender, well, I guess if you're at a brewery, it's probably not as big a deal. I was going to say, as a bartender, if I brought my phone up and said, here's a 16-digit thing I need you to input... If you've got a busy bar, it's a little crazy. But I guess I think that situationally that probably works. Just yeah, I, I guess so. Uh, hopefully they'll get it to where it's something scannable too. Right. Yeah. You'd, you fi- you'd figure that they'd do that some sort of way. Have you had anybody come in with that, Robert? Nope. I think I, actually, it's brand new. I, I hadn't heard about that before, and it's phenomenal. <laughs> I think it's brand new, and obviously they're not going to you know 
they're not going to pay you a whole bunch of money. Well, you but. know, the nice thing, too, is if they have a list of who is available on there, that might mm-hmm. uh, prompt you to explore some new breweries. Oh, well, they, they're on this tap, and I haven't even heard yeah, that brewery true. before. That's nice. That's kind of an explorer. Right, to do something like that with cigars. Ah, there you go. Yep. Yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah. That's a great idea. We should develop that. We shouldn't that. have talked about that here. <laughs> Can we take this part of the show off edit, of yeah. <laughs> Edit, edit, edit. Um, I just thought that was that fascinating. That would be stricken from the record. I just thought that was fascinating. That is fantastic. Obviously, what Pint Pass is doing is they're collecting information about you the consumer. Right. And that can enable them to, I'm sure, direct advertising towards We're you. And basically, stuff. So, mystery shoppers. Yeah. Kind of like that. Yeah. yeah. I, I like that idea. I always, mm-hmm. always wondered how you get a gift. It's like nice that. how you get it instantly back, though, too. That's right. that's kind of a Use fun thing. Use it towards yeah. your tab. I like that. I really do. I really do. Well, it's, um, it's called Pint Pass, all one word, and it should be available at the uh, Apple App Store or on Google Play if you are a uh, an Android or Totally looking person. that up on a break. Yep, so that should be interesting. Um, Tom Poehler is with us. Tom, uh, I was going to ask you in this segment, where you think the best tobacco is being grown today? Is it still Cuba? Is it Nicaragua? Is it Honduras? What, what, Ecuador? What, where's, what's the real like sweet spot now, you think, for tobacco? You know, I mean, the real sweet spot, I think, in cigars is blended tobacco. I love blended stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's one of the things I think that's made yeah. Papines, and as well as Fuente, so popular. I mean, most people don't know this, but when Fuente got started, uh, you know, we were talking about this earlier. You know, he got started because of Julio Aurora, again from JRE. Julio, um, back in the late 70s, early 80s, somehow he, he'll have to tell you the story, but somehow he, he befriended Carlos Fuente Sr. And he was living in Tampa at the time. And on the weekends, Julio would go into his factory. He was a partner in Perfetto Garcia and would turn on the machines and roll him these short fill cigars and just gave him the cigars and said, here, go out and sell them. Just gave him the cigars. And that's how he built his money up. And as a result, if he had never done that, there would never have been a Fuente Cigars. I'm so glad you told this story because you were telling me this before yeah. The, yeah, that's fantastic. the show started. It's such yeah. a great story. Yeah. So what did, what did Fuente do? He went to Nicaragua first because he loved the tobacco in Nicaragua. Yeah. But he went there during the 80s when the Sandinistas were there. So he got burned out of, out yeah. of uh, Nicaragua. Next country he went to was Honduras. From there he got bombed. And the last place he ended up was Dominican. And there were times when he was afraid to leave his barns alone, he would go to sleep on the bales of tobacco. So gives you an idea that he, even he saw, you know, the interest, you know, all, all the promise of these different tobaccos from different countries and different regions. And for years, years, he would never tell anybody that he was using Nicaraguan, Honduran tobaccos in his blends. He would just tell everybody when you read Cigar Aficionado, Dominican filler, Dominican binder, right. Cameron wrapper. That's it. You're like, okay. No. Truth be known, they were doing a lot of Nicaraguan, Honduran tobacco. A lot. Which is one of the reasons those cigars were as complex as they were. Exactly. Those, yeah. And that's, mixes, I think that's, in, and that's what made his popularity. Because I mean, you think about, it, I mean, the stars were lining up in the, early 90s I mean you had guys like Fuente blending other tobaccos because it used to be before that when you smoked in Nicaraguan it was all Nicaraguan you smoked in Mexican it was all Mexican that was a cigar that put you on your ass right you smoked in Dominican it was all Dominican Fuente was the first to start blending and then what else came in the picture cigar aficionado and then it just got hot in Hollywood and before you know it man I mean the boom exploded that's what what started the boom boom. so to say which country has the best tobaccos I can't say. What I will tell you, 
is it depends particularly on who's growing and how they're growing it and how they're aging it and fermenting it. Uh, I know a lot of guys who buy tobacco that's a year old and then they're rolling it. Some how people think they're great because, oh, they're strong. Well, you know, they're harsh. They're right. still green. They're how, not there's aged. A difference, yeah. How much does the age of the plant play a role in the... In the huge. Huge. I mean, look, I probably shouldn't say this, but you look at some cigars, uh, LaFleur right now. Now, LaFleur's definitely getting their game back on, but it used to be, you know, four or five years ago, you bought a LaFleur and it was strong. Yeah. But you let the cigar sit on the shelf six months to a year, it got a lot milder yeah. because it was young tobacco. Now they're right. fixing that problem. Now they're not having that issue anymore. What I remember the first LaFleurs that I smoked were very mild. Yes, and that's then, how they came out. Yeah. Right, they were all and mild. Then, and then they all, all of a sudden they were doing the chisel and right. you know, all these just absolute Do uh, they even make bombs. anything mild now? I'm not even sure mm, if they not do. Not so much. Yeah, I know. Yeah. 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 That was they back sort of, in the day when they had the still the, the flower on the... Uh, yeah, on the bands the, and everything. Yeah. Yep, mm. yeah. So, like I said, you know, like Julio... I mean, again, everything he does is all Honduran. And I love his tobaccos. I mean, that's what we're smoking. I never was a big Honduran fact, fan until I met him. And knowing how he ferments and ages it, yeah, I love his tobacco. It makes a big difference. It makes yeah. a big difference. And that's the same for Pepin. You know, it's just how he ages and ferments it differently. So how loose is it in the industry if someone says, oh, the tobaccos are from here, here, or here? Are they still pretty loose about, like, where the tobaccos are from? Or you think most companies are saying, you know... Like being realistic about where all their tobaccos are from. You know, that's the problem. This industry, there's no way so to tell. BS. No, yeah. there is. I mean, I can tell when I'm smoking a cigar. Gotcha. Can, but a lot of these but guys. But for the general. For the general. Right, for the general. Public, I mean, a lot yeah. of guys, they don't want to give up their secrets. Right. Okay, so they don't want to tell you where their tobacco's from because they're afraid somebody's going to copy their blend. Right. But I tell you guys tell these guys all the time nobody's going to copy your blend because they don't know your tricks to fermenting and aging the tobacco right, right. which I mean, is where it really is, is the right main, i mean look which is I, not a problem if you're not doing that right well <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you right now uh one the largest leaf grower for pre- premium cigars is oliva tobacco mm-hmm. not to be mm-hmm. confused with oliva cigars mm-hmm. okay and john Oliva is a good friend of mine his son junior and everybody gus who is a, is a right hand person a right hand man uh they do a huge amount of tobacco. They grow a lot in Nicaragua, huge amount. And they also grow in Ecuador. They do the Sumatra that, where Pepin gets it. Mm-hmm. So Pepin buys a lot of their tobacco from them, you know, for his, his factory. And I had made a cigar about three years ago down at Natsa at their factory in Hunter, uh, Nicaragua. This is your own cigar? Yeah, my own made, cigar. Right? Yeah, yes. I, made, I made the Acme's for me and some friends. Oh, nice. nice. Wow, okay. And so I'm rolling these cigars, having the factory roll them, and I'm doing the Sumatra wrapper, and I didn't like the way it was coming out. So I'm talking to Gus and going, hey, why is it your Sumatra doesn't taste as good as Pepin's? He goes, yeah, it's just the way he ages and ferments it differently than us. I'm like, well, I can't use it, you know, because I want it to taste like Pepin's because Pepin's is fantastic. I yes. mean, I love Pete's. If you ever see that little second band, it's a white label. That mm-hmm. means it's Ecuadorian Sumatra. And that's oh, what Pete uses. So it, it's fantastic. But again, from one factory to the next, it's the same tobaccos. I mean, look at Fuente, Davidoff. Romacraft. They all buy the same t- same tobaccos, same four seeds from Oliva, but they all taste different, yeah. right? Fermentation process. The fermentation, mm-hmm. how they're playing with that tobacco. Which wow. I think Romacraft is doing a great job now that you mentioned it. Uh, I, I've been li- liking a lot of their stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've explored it lately, but... Well, I think well, it's kind of like kind of like musicians. We all use the same 12 notes, but everyone does right. it differently. You know? Everybody puts it together right. a little differently. Yeah. yeah. So... And 
But for me, it's, it's, it's blended tobaccos I like best. That's a good note, I think, to wrap this segment. We'll be back with our final segment of Smoking and Tosin, in which we will try uh, not only this uh, Backwoods Bastard barrel-aged stout, but also a little bit of Colombian rum from Porteño. Very nice. Eight-year age. So that's coming up in our final segment, plus more uh, cigar talk. This is Smoking and Toasting, and we'll be right back. Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toast in our final segment of show number 116. And Ian, I love when you do that because it means goodness is likely to follow. Well, this is, this is Founders, and you it's, know. It's very Pavlovian, though, that sound. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I begin to salivate, actually. <laughs> right? Uh, so we're brought to you by our uh, fine friends uh, at B&B Butchers and Restaurant, 1814 Washington Ave in Houston, and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth, Bacon, Bacon, Bacon. Um, the um, <clears throat> Boysdale of Canary Wharf was the location for the esteemed Vina Carmen Cigar Smoker of the Year Awards Dinner 2018 on the 3rd of December. And Hollywood and silver screen star Chris Noth was awarded the ultimate recognition of the night, and he was announced as the Cigar Smoker of the Year 2018. For those of you who don't recognize his name, he was Mr. Big on uh, Sex and the City. Your wife probably watches that show. And uh, he's also uh, was on Law & Order Criminal Intent as Mike Logan, if you're a fan of the Law & Order series. So, and he's done a number of other things as well. Um, what I thought was interesting were the other nominees in the category. He won over Stephen Evans, Jeremy Irons, Lennox Lewis, Jeremy Piven, and Mickey Rourke. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, but uh, he was... Uh, he was named Cigar Smoker of the Year and the Lifetime Achievement Award. <laughs> Who knew there was such a thing? Lifetime Achievement of Cigar Smokers. That's awesome. I have something to aspire to now. Uh, Jeremy Irons won the uh, Lifetime Achievement Award uh, at this thing. <clears throat> uh, past winners have included... Uh, Kelsey Grammer, who was the mm-hmm. Cigar Smoker of the Year for 2016. So congratulations to Chris Noth and belatedly to Kelsey Grammer, who has been known to enjoy a fine cigar yes, from yes. time to time. So, uh, Ian, you have already uh, um, graced us with the presents. Yeah, I accidentally poured a little more in my glass than I how everyone else's. Yeah, huh. You also used a bigger glass than everyone else <laughs> no, used. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> um, you've totally, graced us with the presents totally of the Backwoods Bastard. This is a, uh, a pretty interesting uh, beer. You know, the, um, the uh, Dirty Bastard is a mainstay of in my refrigerator and in your refrigerator uh i'm uh, pleased to tell you if you like this that this has been announced as a now a year-round brew for i am a huge fan of scotch ale or yes, we have either uh the same same thing um huge fan of it i love the style of the multi big bigness of it i just love those big uh full flavored styles and uh and i like the uh, the mouthfeel on them they're they're thick like that's that's a substantial yeah. beer. They have viscosity. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and uh, Dirty Bastard is one of the more fantastic ones out there. I mean, it's so good. Um, Backwoods Bastard. I'm familiar with this. I've had this many times because 
I'm such a big fan of the uh, Dirty Bastard. We also had the... Um, what was the one we had it on? Was, it was ago? Dank, whatever it was. Well, we had the Dankwood out, yeah. uh, and but there was another bastard that we had on, didn't yes. we? It was the... Cousin of Bastard or something a, like that. Uh, the, I can't remember. I'll think of it in a little bit, but this is exactly what you would want it to be. This is barrel-aged. It's thick. It's malty. Um, you get all the, uh, the dark, raisiny, dark fruit kind of date kind of aftertaste to it. Lots of caramel, like he said. Yeah. There's um, a lot of that charred oak kind of mm-hmm. uh flavor in the From background the barrel yeah, it's yeah. huge and i absolutely love this these are some of my favorite beers to have with cigars in general yes because they marry so yeah, well yeah the flavors really complement each other um and it's almost guaranteed you'd have to have a pretty weak cigar to not work with a big malty beer most of the time now stouts are different because stouts can cover a cigar flavor but most of the time a scotch ale will go with a cigar and work around it even if you're smoking a pretty light cigar overall and i, I may, really like that about i them. may have actually referred to this as a stout earlier in the show but it's not it's a scotch ale mm. and i i get this almost and it, it's mm. wonderful this gr- almost gritty cinnamon uh flavor on on the tongue on like the very, after yeah on the very after tail end you've of- already kind of are done with the finish and you get this little just tiny bit of like sort of a sweeter cinnamon mm-hmm. vibe to it. I, I I absolutely love it. I think it's terrific. I was about to say it just reminds me of uh, Racing Brand. Like yeah, yeah. Racing Brand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you could go with that. Because it also does it does have a little bit of that um dark bread kind of I wonder yeah. what this would be well. like on Raisin Brand. Mm. Instead of milk. <laughs> I bet it'd be good over a bowl of uh, uh, uh mm. vanilla ice cream. Mm-hmm. Well you know I've noticed on all these beers as we've been sampling, you know, the first taste and then your second th- is it starts to develop, starts yes. to change up on you. It's interesting. Just just like a really good cigar that yeah. opens up as you smoke it and you right. begin to get different flavors in the uh, uh, although we, we do laugh sometimes about some of the reviews we read online about cigars where they're getting like such detailed flavors. Oh. I'm like, who are these people? Like yeah. seriously you're getting you know, and, and it's not it's not chocolate or cocoa, it's uh, you know, Lindemans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Double Lindemans cacao. Okay, you know? I, I've, I've got one for you guys. There was a review, and I, I won't mention it. You guys can if you know who it is. But there was a review done, I think two, three years ago, three years ago, right around the holidays in December, and reviewed a particular cigar, and uh, it was the Eye of the Shark. And in the review, they said, oh, it tastes like charred chicken, gingerbread, candy cane, um, umami. I mean, just went down the list. Of, like, and I counted like 16, 17 different tastes. I'm like, yeah. what were you eating that day? <laughs> you know, like, that's crazy, did you, man. Did you happen to eat? Yeah. Oh, and then the, that, chicken and, 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 the, and the one that just struck my curiosity because, like, what is that? Muted ketchup. Muted? Muted ketchup? Muted. Yes. Not just ketchup. Not muted just ketchup. Muted ketchup. ketchup. I'm like, <laughs> okay. It was the most interesting review I've ever seen. And uh, to me, my buddy Ethan and I were talking. We said, you know, we should put together a little website and the most odd reviews for that year, you know, and uh, rate them. That would be and that great. Would be that'd be number great. one. That'd yeah. be a blog worth yeah. worth checking out. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. That's I remember. Um, I remember. You uh, speaking of reviews, it was a funny thing, and it was in a CI catalog years ago. They they had because they have an odd sense of humor at Cigars International. If you've ever been on their website or, or read their yeah. catalogs, yeah. Um, but they were selling off their bottom line stuff, and they weren't doing a very good job of it. They were doing a hilarious job of it. So it had cigars, and they, they mentioned that this one has 
hints of carpet mold and toe funk or something yeah. like that. Whoa. I mean, like, <laughs> 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 like I bet yeah, people it was like delicate it. hints of carpet mold and like it, it just was cracking me up. I almost bought the cigars because it was so stupid. Yeah, That's, <laughs> wow. You know, I used to love uh, back in the day when Lou Rothman wrote what the I was JR catalog. Yep. Uh, he doesn't do it anymore, and the, it's much more. Uh, I guess mainstream I in terms of it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, oh, but back in the day when he used to write, he'd go off on a rant about something, and he go, "Oh yeah, and the cigar's really good." Like yeah, it, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, this cigar may not be good, but for the price, you're going to like it. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like that. Well, exactly. We always do our price to quality on here. Like when we smoke cigars and we do reviews, we do a price to quality index, and it's a scale of one to ten. But it takes a couple things into consideration. If you're smoking. Um, something that costs eighteen dollars. Yes, and it's a fantastic cigar for eighteen dollars. You get five. You get exactly what you pay for at the middle of the scale. Yeah. You know, if you smoke a five dollar cigar, and it smokes like a ten like a ten dollar cigar, then you go up on the scale. You I can agree. go up to six or seven or eight or nine. And here's a funny one: one of the highest rated cigars that we ever Price had on here. Price you, to you quality. You told me that one is good. And uh, and uh, we had a. Uh, we had Chris Harden here on this, and he was cracking up when I said, uh, I went to a buddy's house. We always play cards and stuff. He lives right around the corner from me. And sitting at my place at the table was a black and mild. As a joke. Oh. He's like, oh, I bought you a cigar. But I will tell you, I sat down with friends, and we drank whiskey, and we played cards, and I smoked that black and mild, and I enjoyed it so much just because of the situation. Yeah. And, you know, it's not the worst smoke I've ever had, but it's a sub $1 cigar. Yeah, it's so like it gets eighty nine cents. Yeah, a piece. So like, it got a very high rating because that's just as cheap as it gets, and I had a great time with it. You know what's interesting about that cigar? What's that? Do you know what the wrapper they use on that? No, Connecticut Broadleaf. Is it really? really? And no they kidding. actually consume or well, they purchase ninety percent of all the Connecticut Broadleaf grown in the U.S. just well, for that cigar. Well, that's why it really? has. Yeah. that's why it has some flavor to it because yeah. you know Connecticut Broadleaf. I mean. The uh, I think of the uh, AJ Fernandez Enclave Broadleaf. That's a terrific cigar, and it's not. Yes. You're not expecting it, or if you're expecting it to be mild because it's Connecticut. No, no, Broadleaf is a different thing. Yeah. This is a uh, right. This is a bit well, of a now, powerhouse. But now you can see why they're growing Broadleaf in Mexico, there oh, in San yeah. Andres Valley. Mm-hmm. They grow it in other countries. You know, like yeah, you yeah. know Brazil. That's the Madafina and things like that. So, yeah. yeah, I I think Broadleaf is actually becoming. A bit of a rage in the industry right now. You're seeing it cropping up more and more places. Right. You know what I think is going to come back, and that's one of the scars I'm working on with Julio because he's actually growing. We we're talking about earlier is Cameroon. Oh yeah, I he's think you're the right. first really to grow Cameroon seed out of Africa there at his farm in Honduras. And let me tell you guys, when you get to smoke the cigar, it tastes like the old Cameroon from the '90s, which is real sweet and spicy, mm-hmm. but it just doesn't have that grayish brown tint. That's what he didn't like about it. And it was funny because this year when we went down there, he grown some. He grew an acre of it last year. So we're down at the farm, nice. And so we're down at the farm this year. Asked him how that Cameroon turned out. He goes, "Oh, I didn't like it. It's no good. It's no bueno." And I said, "Well, you mind rolling a scar with it? I want to try it out." He goes, "No, no, no. You don't want to smoke this." I said, "Well, let me be the judge." He's like, "No, I don't want you to smoke." I'm like, "Prove me wrong. Just make me an idiot. I'm giving you an opportunity. Make me look bad." He's like, "Fine. I'll roll the scar. What do you want me to roll this wrapper on?" I go, "Roll it on your Rancho Luna." So he looks around the office. How many people are here? There's 10 of us. He goes, well, everybody at Cameroon, Ranch Luna. He gets, they get him in the office. We're all smoking and we're all laughing and smiling. And he's looking at the scar like, I was like, what, what the hell is this? You know, 
And I look at him and I was like, this is insane. This is great rapper. So he gets on the phone. And when he gets off the phone, I walked over to him and said, Julio, I need you to do me a favor. He goes, what? I need you to call the farmer and start growing this because I got an idea for it. He goes, no, 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 no. That's who I was just on the phone with. Don't worry. We're growing this rapper now. You're already on the way. Yeah. And it is awesome. But I think, right, just like you were saying, Chris, that the Maduros now are coming back because it's been Connecticut the last few years. Mm-hmm. Now the Maduro. And I think people are really going to start gravitating towards Cameroon now. A lot of people don't realize the original seed of Cameroon isn't from Africa. It's from Sumatra. Right. Huh. Right. And Sumatra, right. that's why, like, the Ecuadorian Sumatra that everybody smokes. It, you know, I always get confused with Cameroon because they taste almost identical. You know, so that's why Pepin uses Sumatra. You know, but Julio wants to use Cameroon, which I thought would be cool. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. I love those inside stories about the cigars, too. That just makes me so you, happy you to hear it. You don't hear those stories. Like, you're smoking the cigar, and you, can don't, you don't get that deep in the... Well, you know, one of the things, and this has happened a lot in um, the whiskey uh, industry, and it's happening a lot with craft beer as well, people are becoming more and more about the stories. I talked with Jeremiah at B&B at at length about this. He trains his bartenders not just to know the profile and the the flavor of of the whiskeys, but what... Excuse me. What the backstory is? Mm-hmm. You get a great backstory. Yeah, you get a great backstory. It really can enhance your enjoyment of uh, what you're of what you're drinking. And I love knowing that about cigars. And it's one thing, you know, we don't get as much of that in the cigar industry. Yeah. Even if you buy the box, often there's just maybe a little bit of marketing. Sometimes absolutely none. Yeah. It's just very straightforward. And you're maybe looking at the band and and yeah. and trying to figure some things out about it but I love knowing these stories I think it's a I think it's a big part of what can make the whole experience that much more enjoyable exactly you get a personal connection absolutely yeah. and yeah. so smoking and toasting that's your place to find these cigar yes. stories right when we have uh, <laughs> yeah. guests like Tom this is, uh, this is gonna, very different uh, yes it is I I, uh, I as you guys can tell, this came from my bar at home, and there's uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, this you, will not be my first time. You were experienced uh, at yes. this. Uh, this is Antigua Porteño. It's imported from Colombia. This is their eight Ooh. year. They do a 12, and I want to say a 15 as well. So this is That's uh, great. one of the younger ones of their age-designated uh, age, uh, uh, rums, but it is uh, it is from Colombia, and we've talked a lot about rum on the show because I'm such a big rum fan. But how really the different regions that are distilling rum now are really kind of coming forth with their own, much the same as tobacco. You know, there's sort of a certain profile for you know Nicaraguan tobacco yes. and Ecuadorian tobacco and and so on. And you're getting that whether it's you know Jamaican rums have a yeah. a certain sort character. of a flavor and character to them. I think they add their own character to the region. Yes, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, Colombian Colombian rums are not quite as plentiful on store shelves, but you can certainly find them. And uh, this, uh, I'm curious to know what you think. Ian. Well, this is interesting because okay, first thing I noticed, and I saw the uh, eight on the bottle. So you always expect your liquid to be generally uh, at eight years old, especially a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's dark enough, Maybe a little but, darker. but a little darker. Yeah. yeah. The other thing yeah. you expect a lot of times is to have a little thicker liquid, um, and even maybe a little oiliness to it when it's eight years old. Um, this has a much thinner mouthfeel than I was expecting, and the interesting thing about it is it has a much brighter flavor overall, flavor mm-hmm. profile. It's very bright than most Super rums mellow. do in general. That's like right. Most rums have a lot of dark flavors, a lot of that molasses, a lot of the 
the sugar yes. cane mm-hmm. and, and those yeah. kind of things that can be very, very dark, dense flavors. This has a lot of the brighter flavors in it that I wasn't expecting. There's there's uh, charcoal, there's banana, there's um, the, obviously the sugar cane in there. Mm-hmm. There's, mm-hmm. Uh, there's so many things going on, but it comes across as a much lighter feeling rum yes. than a lot of the other ones. And I bet that not only does this drink well on its own like this, but I bet this blends amazing. Well, and that's one of the things that they suggest, actually, with the eight-year, is they suggest using it in rum cocktails and, and stuff, although they, they also point out that it's good for, you know, for sipping, sipping. Uh, just on its own. And, and I generally sip rums more often than I make uh, cocktails with them. But I, I was, the thing you have to remember about rum is if this is saying it's an eight-year rum... That uh, almost all rums are blended, so mm-hmm. this is a blend of different rums. So there may be rums of varying ages involved right. in here. Uh, eight is uh, the I'm, youngest. You, one. The youngest, right? One. Correct. But you can't call it an eight if your uh, if, if your you youngest one is a four. Is, right. 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 Exactly. Yeah. So so that. But you can't call it a sixteen. If you have an eight-year-old rum and a sixteen-year-old, even okay. though, even though there could be older right, rums right. in in this blend, or it could all be eight years or what have you, so there are some very very good eight-year rums out there. There's some very good three-year rums out yeah. there yeah. Uh, that may have blends in them uh, of some other things that were aged even longer. Uh, again, with rum, much like cigars, yes. it's really all about the blend, right? And and what they come up with to mm-hmm. to find the flavor profile. One of the things I like about this rum is that the heat is all on the finish. Yes, yeah. and, and so you, say that. So yeah. you, you don't get hit with a big sort of alcohol heat on the front of it. And I think this is a good rum for whiskey uh, and bourbon drinkers yep. yeah. who are looking to you know try rums and, and ease into them because this has some of the same characteristics as a really good bourbon does. Uh, things that you will. The oaky kind of yeah, finish to right. it, and things, and things that you'll find in common as you sort of make the transition to uh, to trying a different spirit. It goes uh, it, you no, really well. No, with it this is cigar. it is great. So it has the great. So what you're looking for in a good spirit is not having those acetone, uh, big acetone notes on the right. And I don't get any of it. Like it's. It's very it, smooth. I was yeah. just say for all the heat that it has on the finish, it's extremely smooth. It doesn't yeah. burn your nose at all. You stick no. your whole face in there and it doesn't burn your nose even. Well, and I'll tell you what I I don't like guys. I mean, I became a big rum drinker actually when I was working with CAO. Mm. I was hanging out at Jono's one evening at his house at his bar with him. And he pulled out some Florida Cognac and goes, "Here, you try this rum." I'm like, eh, "I'm not a rum drinker." He goes, "Oh, no, 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 try this." Like it's always too sweet or it's too bitter like the Bacardi, yeah. right? So, I took a drink and I was like, "Wow." This is great rum. Mm-hmm. And after that, I started really liking rums. But, of course, still, I'm not a big fan of Zaya or Zacapa because they're just too, too sweet. That's not right. too sweet. It's like more like a Florida Kanye where, yeah, you know, it's got, like you said, like like a bourbon or something, mm-hmm. you know, but it's exactly. also got the heat, but smooth. And you still get a little of that sweetness off it. And that's, that's a great rum. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's pretty impressive. And as you can tell... It's seen no shortage of activity. I have a feeling that one's going to find its way on my shelf. (laughs) Hey, now, have you guys ever tried? Now, they don't make any more. And last time I bought a bottle was, oh, 10, 12 years ago. Did you ever have the original Monte Cristo 12-year rum? No. I don't think I've had the 12-year. Wow. This is when Altidus, you know, doing Mm -hmm. Monte Cristo cigars, came out with their own rum. This thing was to die for. Wow. And it was a great rum. I don't know why they stopped doing it, but... If you ever see a bottle and find something, grab it quick. Hmm. You know, that, that, that would be no a good doubt. gem to find. Yeah, yeah. 
It has been a real pleasure, uh, Tom, having you on the show. Uh, I uh, I'm going to thank a- you again. Say how much I appreciate your brother for lining you up for us when he was uh, unable to make it. Not not just because it you know kept us from being in a bind, but uh, also there's there's just been such great information and uh, love the stories. And we would we would absolutely love to have you back uh, on the show. My again pleasure, and, love to guys and, and talk tobacco and and spirits and and beers a little bit more. And we will be rescheduling uh, Jason. We'll do the My Father yeah. show and and look forward to that. But and uh, if you can get Ryan at some time, he'd love to have we'd Ryan. We'd love to do fun. that as well. Yeah, that, now he's a big a drinker. He could he actually was a bartender for a while and stuff, <laughs> so he could really get into this. Well, um, we are uh, we're in good company. I think yeah, uh, that that sounds like a good thing. Um, do want to uh, really quickly uh, let you know that we will be uh, continuing through the holidays. We did take a break for Thanksgiving, but we'll be here uh, every week through the Christmas holidays. And uh, let's see what we have. Oh, uh, coming up on next week's show, our old pal Alan Denny returns with Jose Blanco from uh, EP Carrillo. That's going to be we'll fun. And we'll be uh, live down at Maduro's, which is the new shop. That is now where the man cave used to uh-huh, be yep. in uh, down in League City. So we're uh, really excited about that, and of course, it's always fun having Alan on the show. And I just want to point out that with this show next week, Alan Denny will officially pass Chris Hart as the one of the two of those guys that has been on the show. Do the you most. think? Do you think uh, Chris Hart's going to crash the I show? I think I fully think expect him to show crash. Up? I fully expect him to go. Hey guys, walk in with a bottle of something. Uh, if I know Chris Hart. <laughs> That, that's he did a uh, he did a great show with uh, David Allardyce by the way this last week on uh, Whiskey uh, Neat yeah. da- David Allardyce love is awesome. that guy He's yeah so yeah fun. just absolutely terrific uh, and then coming up on the twentieth uh, right before Christmas Abby Perry from Whitmire's will be joining us on the Ooh, show that so awesome. that should be a good show and then on the twenty seventh uh, which is just a couple of nights after Christmas a couple of days after Christmas I think we're gonna do Ian's Crazy Beer Show. Because you said <laughs> I have I have a few you crazy said beers. You've been you've been kind of uh, I have your refrigerator's been collecting to, crazy beers. Yeah, so. I, I've been, I've been, we might have to bring in a couple extra people to help us drink some of the beers. That I'm going to have to crash that show. I think Robert probably knows some of those beers. <laughs> I have a feeling we will uh, not have any trouble finding people to come <laughs> and help us drink. I'll have family um, in town too, so that'll be fun. Thanks to uh, our producer uh, Adam on the Wheels of Steel uh, this week. He's got a new little small. Wheels of Steel rig that seems to be uh, working well. So, yeah, it's very small. <laughs> and uh, uh, I just want to say uh, a huge thanks to our buddy Ken Wynn and the uh, friends here at Casa de Monte Cristo. Yeah, they really do. Cigar store. We recommend nice them highly. Uh, I'll be in the humidor before we leave buying something. Mm-hmm. So, uh, thank you to you for listening and for keeping the show going. We appreciate it. And thanks to B&B Butchers and Restaurant for their continued support of Smoking and Toasting. Uh, we did run out of time for sampling the yellow rose so we'll have to get to that another time uh but thank you uh my friends for being a part of smoking and toasting and uh with what's left in our glasses we will wish you cheers and happy holidays everybody (laughs) 